Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very, very much for being with us here for episode number 165 here on Monday, February the 17th, 2020. We're here to romp you through the world of wrestling yet again for another week. As always, I'm Joe Murata, joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Quinn, how is your February going here about halfway through? It's a month that's short. Yeah, it is short. It's a little bit of a leap year this year. One extra day. What what does that mean? 29 days? 29 days, I always think it's like 31. No, there's only 29 days this year in February. And folks, thank you so much for being with us again. We're going to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We have some good topics in store for you. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you guys, if you have a Twitter, you can follow us there at OVP Podcast. And there, basically what you're going to get is daily clips uh, from wrestling past usually some type of like on this day thing you know like mm-hmm. uh, hey on february 17th 84 this happened or whatever you um, know some guy won against johnny rods yeah, perhaps there yeah. you go things like that uh you can also email us if you have an email at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is ovp podcast at gmail.com but if you have a facebook you can talk to me and quinn and hundreds of other wrestling fanatics over there michael over at facebook.com slash match yeah match. Uh, you can talk about the matches not the kind that you use to light things on fire no, just like the wrestling matches right the wrestling you can variety talk about all the wrestling matches there and you know how you get there no there's a search bar on Facebook.webfeet or whatever. <laughs> Webfeet, right? Webfeet, yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing technology. And you just type in our vantage point, dash, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boop, tube, gore, kafui. You know, you hit the group button and you're in. Yeah, punch the button, Greg. Punch the button, Greg. <laughs> and then you're in. And uh, when, when you're there, you can talk about every single match, like your Meltzer. Match. Exactly. We just have lists of matches. Which is... <laughs> threads just on every single match ever. Yeah. And also, you can talk about the silly things. You can mm-hmm. ask questions, have some friendly debate. But we have one big rule, one general concept that we try to follow, which is don't be a dingus. Yeah, no dingusing over there. Don't be one. Just don't do it. <laughs> Just cut don't it out. Blow the dingus <laughs> in, in my face. face. Just be nice to each other. That's all we ask is that you're nice to each other, you're respectful, you can disagree, have difference of opinion, but be nice to each other. We try to have a nice, fun environment to talk about the old wrestling crap and, of course, the matches. That's over on Facebook. And later on the show, we'll give you more info, but we do have a Patreon. That's to give you guys extra content more than anything. We're not trying to get rich off of this. We don't expect to make a living off of this. Yeah. But we do want to give back to you if you support the show. It's the OVP All Access, yeah. if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like that competing company, CBS. Yes, we compete with. That's right. Yeah. We're competing with CBS head right. to head, baby. And over on Patreon.com slash OVP podcast, there's a lot of stuff. Again, more info later. But the biggie coming out this week is going to be WrestleMania 5, the review. And it's like four wow. hours, folks. Well, I mean, the show is almost that long anyway. <laughs> yeah. The WrestleMania 5 review, watch for it. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But, Michael, when we're not going head to head with CBS, one thing we're talking about are things that have influenced the wrestling business to this day, right? We're talking about, you know, we talk about Nitro, we've talked about superstar Billy Graham, 
Last week, we talked about wrestling on pay-per-view. I believe, Quinn, we call this segment The Influencers. Yes, The Influencers. The Influencers. The people that uh, made a difference. Right. Not like Fatu. No. <laughs> right. But and they could also be like things right. or matches or right. types of Concepts, matches, pay-per-views, whatever. Wrestlers. And this one was actually a hot-button topic. Three different people wanted us to talk about this. Richard Land wanted mm-hmm. us to do this. Pat Ray wanted us to do this. And Kevin Huntsberger. Three people wanted us to talk about, Quinn. The influence of Rowdy Roddy Piper and Piper's Pit. It sure is an influential thing. I mean, there's so many spinoffs from yep. it and ideas and yep. concepts and a lot of stuff, a basically. Lot, a lot of stuff. So Roddy Piper himself, you know, we all know Roddy Piper, one of the all-time greats in wrestling. We can't recap his entire career. It would take too long. Started wrestling in the 70s. He's actually, his real name, Roderick Toombs. I don't even... <laughs> What? <laughs> That's really his name. Uh, not what is Piper. he related to The Undertaker? <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Not bad, Quinn. Yeah. Uh, and he is from Canada, not Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah, I know. Canada. Yeah, sorry to Glasgow, burst the bubble there. Canada. Glasgow, Canada. And a second cousin of the Hart family, apparently. Is that I don't know. Is that real? Or is that if... like just made up so he can peanut butter jelly and whatever he talks Potty about? Potty pants. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when Mrs. Hart used to come down that she used to make them sandwiches, man, throw on that bologna and go, only one piece of bologna, but that don't matter. I was hungry. Nevertheless, he started wrestling in the 70s. Even in the WWF, the 3W version, mm-hmm. he had a few matches there in like 79. Is that when he had the tartar trunks or whatever? <laughs> yeah, you know tartar. What, tartar. <laughs> yeah. Tartan. That's whatever. when he had the tartar sauce. So we all know now what's under the kilt, Bruno Sammartino. Yep, that's right. Tartar. Tartar sauce. But anyway, so he uh, becomes the Roddy Piper we all know and love uh, around 1980-81. He's actually an early heel commentator with Gordon Suplay down in Georgia, yeah, like eighty two. I, I actually didn't know about this until you brought it up. To be honest with you, because I'm like, you're, you said, I'm like, excuse me, what? Well, a lot of people, it's generally accepted for some reason, and Jesse himself says it that he was, you know, I was the first bad guy announcer. It's never been done before. He said, you think you could do it? But he wasn't. Roddy Piper, clearly a heel, doing weekly commentary with Gordon Soley in Georgia. He tried to pin the man. He only got a two count. The man is not wore down enough, so immediately grabs the limb. In this case, an arm is going to work on it for a while, which is extremely smart tactics. Tactics I use myself, and if I use them, they must be smart. Kevin Sullivan, a very, very good wrestler. Piper's personality was very manic, very loudmouth, very trash-talking, Quinn. It was kind of different because he was charismatic, but he wasn't supposed to be likable when he was a heel. Yeah, he's kind of like, he's just kind of a madman. Yeah, and you're crazy. Just like, you never know what he's going to say. And you're not even sure if he's out of being a dick or just out of being crazy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he would provoke people. And obviously, when he came to the WWF, he came in as a manager, actually, for a little while. He managed Paul Orndorff. And one of the things about him is that when he was a wrestler, he wasn't a physically imposing wrestler. No, and I think that's really what makes him so unique. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just kind of like... Average size guy. Like, we've always talked about how Hogan just fought a bunch of fat people or whatever, and that's... I mean, even before that, most of the guys that were challenging for the title like, were, Stud. were big uh, Iron Mike Sharp or whatever. Uh, Iron Mike Sharp, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Superstar Billy Graham. Superstar Billy Graham. Yeah. And yeah, but Piper, whether it was as a Hogan opponent or just as a heel in general, he looked like a regular guy you'd see down at the corner bar. Right, and I think that's also sort of what the threat was with him, is that he's a guy that, well, not big, you don't know, is he going to whip out a weapon? Is he right. Is he going to gouge your eyes out? Is he going to scratch you? You're right. not, 
You're not really sure. He's a ball of energy, really. And it, and it, what he does could happen to you at absolutely any time. Right. He's resilient. You know, he might not be a great in-ring, quote-unquote, wrestler, right? I'm talking about the character. But he will trash talk you, get inside your head, and then be sneaky and slimy, but also just persistent. New York City's finest police department had to pull me off your heavyweight champion. It was a different type of heel character. I think, really, the as far as his style goes in the ring... Yeah. Um, it was really reflected a lot in that Hogan Piper Ward Settled score. Is that the one? Or is it the Brawl to Settle yeah, the War, the, the Brawl Settle I always all. mix them up. Queen had it right. Joe needs a class to settle his ass. The point is, is that <laughs> in that match, him and Hogan are rolling around, right. punching each other. And to me, that's like, that's Piper. That's, you know? Yeah, no, that is the essence of Roddy Piper. Just he will scrap with you. Right. You know, he will throw hands with you, if you will. Like a real fight. Right. You know? And that's kind of the, the in-ring style that he used throughout his entire career. He he has said, it's like the one time I've really wrestled was against Bret Hart at WrestleMania right, 8. Yeah, you know? and that was good. Of course it was. And of course, I'm sure Bret, you know, wanted to have a good match. And I thought I could have a good match with Roddy Piper. That type of thing. I, and it I it think, was a good match. I think the thing, though, is we've explained Piper, but what about the essence, this yeah. pit? Okay, the, so what the is pit. pit? The pit of Piper. We mentioned how Piper was a trash talker, right? Right. He was a charismatic, entertaining, motormouth, cocaine fuel, just rapid fire mm-hmm. ball of energy. Control grab grandma. That's the <laughs> comment I always remember from one of his. That's a good one. I was like, what? And you can see a lot of that throughout you know, the 80s with Piper. So before Piper's pit, there were a couple of different quote unquote interview segments on championship wrestling. A couple meaning two. That's a yeah. couple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, a couple yeah. is two. Hey, Bert and Ernie. Can you tell me how to get the fuck away from Sesame Street? And the first one, uh, which began, I believe, was it 83 or late 82? I can't remember. It was Rogers Corner. I want Corner. to say that the Rogers Corner was a little bit in 82 from yeah. what we've seen. I, right. I can't pinpoint the date, but I want to say it was like November or something. Yeah, it might have been 82. And that was obviously hosted by the first WWF uh, champion, Buddy Rogers. And it was casual. He'd sit in his chair with his old man clothes on and be like, welcome to Rogers Corner. I wouldn't say it was... Bad though. To no. me, what the one thing I've noticed about watching all these Rogers Corners is that it actually is like the driver for most of the storylines on the show. It's like where the At shit times, gets yeah. stirred up. Or he'll interview Sal Balomo. Like right. it's hit and miss. I think most notable is when Captain Lou got like found out for like stealing Jimmy Snuka's money. Right. That was like on Rogers Corner. That's the biggest thing I think to come out of that show. You know, Buddy Rogers was more of like a I drink bourbon type of voice and just it wasn't great. Well, it was kind of more like a um Johnny Carson sort of like maybe thing, yeah you know? but like, <laughs> I don't know, here's this, like, I, don't know if I want to give him that much credit. I just mean to say it's like here's this like old looking slick Sinatra type guy <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it like Sinatra types I'm saying like guy who, got a lot of money. guy who smokes cigarettes in a swanky area as the most swank you could get for 1982 <laughs> lots of brown liquor yeah, is that exactly. the type of thing we're talking mahogany chairs mahogany chairs yeah welcome ladies and gentlemen to Rogers Corner when Rogers Corner ended and Victory Magazine, which was the WWF's magazine when it started, came to being, we had Victory Corner, right? And this was hosted by some dork. <laughs> some dork that worked at the magazine. <laughs> yeah. And welcome to Victory Corner. So this happened for a bit of 1984. The most notable ones that I know of, there's two. Gorilla Monsoon was a guest once wearing like his disco suit or whatever he <laughs> used to wear. And the final one where they announced that next week right. we're going to have a new show called Piper's Pit. No, I've actually gone back and watched this, believe it or not. And actually, the way this goes down is that Victory Magazine is like, no, Roddy Piper's going to host the Victory Corner. Right, that's what it is. Piper's like, 
Just fuck you guys. Yeah. Like, I'm just taking over. And he like kicks this nerd out, right. basically. Now, Piper had been there for about six months or so at this point. He came in in very early 1984. Immediately, the loudmouth heel, right? So he's already got all this heat just from being a dick. Yeah. He had managed Paul Orndorff. He had managed Dr. D, David Schultz, who was awesome in his own yeah. right for a while. Not to mention he's wearing a fucking kilt. Right. And you're like, what the hell is this guy? And he just looks like your friend's uncle. Like yeah. a jerk. You know what I mean? Like and he just he drank. like it, too. And he acts like your friend's unmarried uncle yeah you know just anyway so he starts hosting piper's pit and it's he's got his own set now he's got a custom set right and this is the first time now where a current wrestler is doing the interviewing instead of being the interviewee sergeant slaughter i have a i have a lot of respect uh for you and what you've done in uh previous years i know that uh you were in vietnam Now, that was actually very new to have this guy who is a great talker antagonizing usually face wrestlers or praising the heel wrestlers on his own segment of championship wrestling. Yeah, it was interesting, too, because, you know, there'd be many weeks where he'd interview guys that he wasn't even wrestling, right? Right. That he wasn't feuding with or anything. And then one week would come along where it would incite a feud, basically. And obviously, the first and most notable thing that happened on there was the Jimmy Snuka in the summer of 84, where he was just fucking with Snuka the whole yeah, time. Mr. Rogers Corner himself coming to <laughs> yeah. uh, Roddy Piper's corner See? now. and or his uh, pit. His pit, and Piper just berates him. Oh, he's like, terrible about it. He berates him, and, and Snuka, you know, hey, you know he, he's kind of being egged on the whole time, right. right? And finally, when he's about to do something, he's like, hey, you know, don't You, know, you don't, 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 you don't call that. me coconut, or yeah, whatever, whatever he says. I'll kill you, he Boom, might. Boom, coconut to the head. Coconut to the head, beats the shit out of him, knocks the set over, huge angle, right? Hot, red hot angle. And from what I understand, I don't know how much kayfabe this is, but I mean, that shit knocked him. <laughs> he got concussed. You don't think it was a gimmick coconut? I mean, they probably don't want to say it was. Uh, no, juice came right out of it, Joe. It seemed pretty real to me. <laughs> Pre-cut the coconut and then I don't, from what the I even the heard, coconut. I don't think they even thought it was going to like shatter. Like I think that's one of those like spur of the moment. Serendipity. It yeah, just, just happened. It just happened. Okay. Anyway, Piper's pick continues on throughout 85, throughout 86, but after WrestleMania 2, Piper takes some time off, and while he is gone, Adrian Adonis takes over the show. Mm. It becomes the flower shop. And this it, is the first instance of somebody trying to replace it, right? Yeah. And I think it was designed, Quinn, I think you agree with this, specifically so when Piper came back, he could have a problem with Correct. it. Correct. Yeah. This wasn't made to be some kind of like really good replacement right. thing. It was made to be like to, shitty to so piss that you, off. you were just like, man, why why did they do this? Like I just right. want like damn that Adrian Adonis. I want Piper to come back and kick his ass. And I like that Bob Orton stayed there, but now he had the pink hat. Right, exactly. <laughs> just just to kind of throw it in your face, <laughs> yeah, right? It's like Bob, Bob Orton's still, still there. Lurking as he usually would <laughs> as the bodyguard. Right. Kind of like Jerry Springer's like who's that bald Steve guy? Wilco. Steve Wilco. Remember when Steve Wilco got his own show? He still has it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that that's still on. It's crazy that Springer just ended like two years ago. Right. Yeah. It's nuts. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So Piper comes back in the late summer of 86 and he's like, what the fuck happened to my show here? Right. What I am trying to stop is a cartoon by this idiot over here. We all know the feud with Adonis, but in the midst of that whole process, right, while Piper retakes his show back, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, where does all this unfold? Piper's pit. Awesome, right? Andre dinosauring through the entrance <laughs> in the back. is like, I'm not, I'm not a friend anymore. Three years to be a chomping yeah. is a long time. You're bleeding. Don't overcook your chicken. Yeah, you're bleeding, all of that. So Piper then obviously leaves after WrestleMania 3, and he comes back, and we have the occasional Piper's pits. That's that. 
But let's talk about the influence now, okay? Mm-hmm. So we again, folks, this wasn't supposed to be a comprehensive history of Roddy Piper's I mean, we're really career. Only connecting him and Piper's pit, here, putting them so. together here, right? Yeah. So Piper, the wrestler, as an influence, I think he's an early example, and I know I'm sure there were others, but again, of the. He wasn't an evil foreigner. I mean, unless you want to count Scotland as like a foreign, you know, sort of, I guess. But not yeah, really, right? Yeah. Look at the size of that boy's head. Shh. I'm not kidding. It's like an orange on a toothpick. He did the fucking bagpipes, which pissed people off when he right. was a heel. They're like, what is this? He did everything just to be annoying. But it, it's so interesting because, he again, he wasn't imposing. That's the thing about yeah. him that was different, right? Because we had talked about when we were talking about Billy Graham and how he was this blonde California built bodybuilder charismatic heel and he was annoying he was annoying he was imposing he was very imposing right piper was extremely irritating or or tried to be right but again not an evil foreigner not a big scary guy not a big fat guy he he broke the mold of a typical heel because he got over specifically by talking nothing that he did in the ring yeah which is really unique and i actually think you know here's an early concept of a character like like later on but early for this, another character not imposing but annoying was the heartbreak hit Shawn Michaels when he first turned heartbreak. Like, oh, yeah. why would you be? You are heartbreak. Why what? would you be afraid of that guy? Right. Like, he looks. He's average sized, mm-hmm. but like he's just so freaking. And how dare he throw Marty through the barber shop <laughs> right. glass? You know, like. <laughs> but like on top of it, he just kind of was this chicken shit heel that got away with everything. Yep. And that's one of the templates uh, that I think was set was that Piper showed that a normal looking guy could get over by talking and scrapping in the ring and maybe getting to the point of getting his ass handed to him, but always finding a way to slip out of it. Yeah. You know, Piper never lost on TV. Yeah. Like ever. Until I, would say, I would say really the only person like him in his in his time period was actually Ric Flair. Ric Flair isn't a big yeah. dude. You right, know? right. But he would he would squirm away with that world title every time and he'd talk shit and he'd get away with it. He had all those elements, but the one thing that made them different is Flair was, you know, portrayed as and recognized as a great wrestler in the ring, where Piper right. was not. Exactly. That was the whole point. He was a fighter. I think that the, the direct line as far as people and Piper are concerned, to this day, I mean, is mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose, as everyone always compares. Yeah, because, John Moxley. Yeah, whatever Careful. whatever he is Careful. is the point is is here's this guy. Who's fucking nuts? Yeah, and he's scary because he's 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 unpredictable. Yeah, right? like Johnny Rods. Right, but Johnny Rods though. Johnny Rods didn't talk. So. Much more unpredictable than now, Dean Ambrose. I think one other thing we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. And I don't want to be remiss. All these stupid other interview segment Please. things that okay. happened after this, which Thank are you. horrible. So Piper's pit was really good. I mean, again, yeah. it's not like every single one was memorable. We're not pretending that. But Piper himself could carry almost anything. Remember he had fucking Frankie Williams on there once and like yeah, beat him amazing. up? <laughs> because Frankie Williams was like the worst jobber. Like <laughs> the worst one. I love one him too. Forever. <laughs> like first, well, I mean, we're watching it. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's real. horrible. Or Sal like, Blomo. Like, <laughs> literally every time I see Frankie Williams on our 82, 83 years, I'm like, when does Piper like destroy him? Yeah. Like, I just want that. I love him. You're a lousy wrestler. It's as simple as that. I might be a lousy wrestler, but I'm still in there. I got not a fail nobody. But there were, you know, a lot of great moments happened on Piper's pit, and Piper himself was like the perfect guy to do one of these. Now we already mentioned the flower shop. I'm not worried about that. But there were other incidental ones that you would think would be good because the the person hosting it's good. They're not Roddy Piper. But they're that's not Roddy the, Piper. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm talking about the body shop with Jesse Ventura, yeah, which well, who cared? These are some of the early ones. Yeah. So, yeah. Half the time, Jesse wasn't there in 86, so Don Morocco hosted it or yeah. whoever. The Snake Pit right. with Jake Roberts, which had the one notable incident, which was the guitar with the honky. Right. 
there was a good one, The Brother Love Show in 88. Right. The Brother Love Show is the only one I can even say is even remotely close because Brother Love is just so, like, this fucking guy. Like, right. Like, what the hell? Like, you want to see him get punched. Right. And a lot of things happened on that. Hogan got attacked on that a lot. Yeah. By the, either the Twin Towers or Earthquake. You know, things happened on Brother Love Show. There's so much shit. Anything with the Macho King. Macho King was on the lot, yeah, right? Yeah. That was a good one. Now, there were also some other not-so-good ones. We're talking about Missy's Manor that they tried. Horrible. <laughs> Hi, I'm, uh, I'm your host. It's one of the worst. <laughs> Go find them. There's only, like, eight of them ever, because they just were like, you want to be a federette, basically, because this is so horrible. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, there's also the barbershop, which one notable thing happened. One no- but still not. It was crummy. It doesn't even approach Piper's Pit. There was the funeral parlor. Right. Which was... Other than okay. the Undertaker's hand getting stuck in the fucking thing. And also, I think Sherry deciding to uh-huh. leave for Shawn Michaels was on that, too. And I think Flair was on that. Like, a very yeah. early appearance of Flair. Way, uh, you know what the problem is with the fucking Undertaker shop or the whatever? Music. It's, it's that. The Undertaker it's also, shop. But you know what's terrible about it? What? Is that anytime something notable happened on it, it just... Why are they in fucking, like... In a haunted house or something like this. Why are they telling us this here? Like, you yeah, know what why I mean? does it have to happen here? It just seems so off. With Paul Barrow like chewing the scenery. Like, honestly, why is Sherry divulging her love life in fucking like the Adams family house? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. You yeah, know? Why would you tell Paul Barrow any secrets about yourself? Yeah, exactly. So that didn't even last that long. No, it didn't. But, then, uh, but here's where, like, after that, I feel oh like God. there's like Heartbreak Hotel, which is stinks. It's terrible. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, King's Court. Could be okay. Yeah, but we're talking about all the retro ones. Let's just, before we go, there's like so many of these crappy ones that they like tried to do that are awful. Garlitos Cabana? Yeah, nobody tried to tell me that Jericho's highlight reel was ever good. (laughs) Like, it is. What's your problem with it? Because they always are like, it's so great. It's the longest running, blah, blah, blah. It's the longest running because Chris Jericho doesn't fucking leave. Nothing (laughs) ever happened on it, ever. Other than somebody like knocked over those fake like pylon things in the background. He threw Sean into the Geritron once. That was a big angle. It's It's like if I threw you into a TV. It's not that like. What about the cutting edge? Stop the peep show. Wasn't that that's real, right? The only thing thing about the cutting edge, first of all, before we get to the peep show, (laughs) the only thing notable about the cutting edge is that little like logo thing in the corner. Right, right. (laughs) I know what you mean. There was the peep show with Christian. Why did he need an interview segment? Because they didn't have any. Christian was like always injured and stuff. Like, what else is he going to do? The VIP lounge with MVP. Horrible. (laughs) This is, and this is what I mean. It's just like all of these crappy things that they're not other than whatever storyline is going on. Right. Adam. So we talked about Piper's influence as a heel, as a brawler. It paved the way maybe for some smaller guys to have a different approach to being a heel instead of just being a big scary monster and evil foreigner, right? Right. We talked about how you can get over just by talking, which obviously so many people have done. I mean, I'm not saying that Piper was the first, but he was definitely an early example of a heel that just drew hate based on what he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rock, you know, was one of those people. Austin got over by talking and in the ring. A lot of guys did. And we talk about the interview segment. Piper was the best at it, I would say. Yeah, other than maybe Brother Love. Brother Love would be a close second. So it's overall, I think, a positive influence. But man, they just kept 
those interview segment things going. I mean, yeah, the the, the side effect is like let's just give anybody that can maybe slightly talk, yeah, interview segment, and like the theme of it is based on their character, right? Like you know, so I guess that's a neutral influence. I don't know how else to say it. Like the yeah, it's got it's good and it's bad. It's a new yeah to yeah. me it's neutral. Piper's influence in general on the business is great because without him, who knows? You know, who knows what would have happened in '85? Who knows? It was Hogan's big rival. Hogan might not be as big without him. You don't. You don't know because he never beat him clean. That was the right. best thing about that feud. It always had this because anytime Piper came back, even as a face, you're like in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, what if he's going to challenge Hulk Hogan? He never really lost to him. They've never resolved it, right? Yeah. So Roddy Piper overall great influence on the business. Piper's pit great moments. Led to the Brother Love Show, but also led to things like the VIP Lounge. So mm-hmm. you take that for what you will. Exactly. <laughs> but folks, we want to know what you think. Please let us know what you think of Roddy Piper and his influence on the business and Piper's Pit and what it's done for wrestling. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us OVP Podcast at gmail.com or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, we've got four of the best managers of all time on the board. Two more are coming out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Rankings of Managers, and that is coming up right after this. Adrian Adonis, do you think I'm insane? Do you think for one second now you're running around with your dress on and and your beautiful pectorals that that look like you had six litters of puppies? You're going to come run in the ring and you're going to come run around and mess me up and think for one second that I'm just going to sit there and take up and not come out there and beat you to a pulp? You think for one second you in all your splendid glory with your pretty little hat on and all those lovely stretch marks, you know, that look like an upstate map of New York, that you're going to sit there and say, huh, took care of Roddy Piper. Listen, I'm a man. You think something, little something like a knee injury is going to hurt me or stop me, huh? You think that's what I'm made of? You can break my neck. I fight for a living. When you carry a big stick, you know, Gene, you don't gotta walk so soft no more, you know. When you carry a big stick, I'll walk. I I thank you very much, Roddy Piper. In my opinion, you jeopardized your career in meeting the Iron Cheek, but you did get your hand raised. Our congratulations on that. That's why I'm Roddy Piper, and you're not. Hey! And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode number 165. It is Monday, February the 17th, 2020. And Quinn, before we get into the Royal Rankings of Managers, we mentioned we have a Patreon. It's very easy to find. Yeah, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's right. It's even I know the website. <laughs> See? It's so easy. Quinn just knows it off the top of his head. And if you want to head over there, uh, you can find out what kind of stuff we offer. We'll tell you real quick. $2 a month is going to get you raw video every single Monday. That means unedited, uncut, uncooked, maybe. You can see all the mistakes that yes. were made in this episode. Perhaps if my son decides to wander into the studio it and jump on his trampoline. At any time. You might find out about that on the raw video. You also get a back archive of the OVP commentaries and the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley extras. It's a lot of stuff. It's $2 a month. If you add a dollar to that, that's only $3 a month. One more dollar. That's it. You're going to get the live 1983 reviews that Quinn and I were talking about, actually, incidentally, in the last segment. This is us watching in video form 
WWF Championship Wrestling week after week. We're following it along. If you like Roger's Corner, this is the place for you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we started it in January of 1982, and we're already up to April of 1983 now, believe it or not. And not only that, we have the free ones over on our YouTube channel if you want to check them out. Yep. And then the granddaddy of them all, literally, will get you $5. WrestleMania. Yep. $5 yep. a month, you're going to get all of our pay-per-view reviews. Mm-hmm. Every single one that we've done so far, which started at WrestleMania 1. And like I said, WrestleMania 5 is coming out this week, folks. Watch for it. This is in-depth. This is like, you know, it can be anywhere from two and a half to four hours, apparently, of a review. Well, it depends on how long the show is. <laughs> exactly. If, if they decide to run long, uh, we usually have to run long with we, them. We run alongside them, you know, and we uh, we do the whole in-depth analysis, you know, as, as only we can do, clearly, uh, with star ratings, Quinn. Star Very hot. Ra- it's, it's the hottest thing going um, <laughs> right now. Meltzer, we're coming for you. That's right. Um, your star ratings mean nothing That's to these right. star ratings. <laughs> so if you want in on some of this fun, just go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Again, if you don't want to donate, we understand that. We're just thankful that you're listening to the show here. And speaking of the show, we have been doing the Royal Rankings of Managers this season. Now, the Royal Rankings and the Royal Flush basically is we get you guys, the fans, to vote. We You give us your list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something before the season starts. Joe Merkel tallied up all the votes for us this yes, season. Thank, thank you, Joe. Merkel. Appreciate that. And what we do is each week we alternate the best and the worst. We pull two names out of the time at random drawing. It really is random. You can see that on the Very raw video. Extremely random. <laughs> yep. um, buttons are pressed. Machines uh, yep. do their calculations. The guy with the tumbler. And it's... they decide, you know, which manager is next. Yep. And then by the end of the season, you will have the definitive, scientific, organic, proven, baptized, ordained, non GMO, USDA approved. USDA organic Thank approved. You. And healthy. Best and worst managers of all time. I'll run down what we have on the board right now. Like I said, there's four on the board. At number one, according to the science, the best manager of all time, Jimmy Hart. Congratulations. He's he's held up a good week here. He has. Yeah. Yep. Good job, Jimmy. At number two. That's right. It's Sherry Martell. I still think she she, she might be a number one to me. <laughs> well, she could be number one in your book, Michael. She's a perfect ten. <laughs> <laughs> number three. Paul Heyman. Which, Mr. Mr. Pudgy. Yeah. <laughs> Putty Patrol over here. Putty Patrol. And number four, J.J. Dillon. Whatever. Mr. Horseman. Yeah, he's, he's okay. good. He's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, he's on the best list. Yeah, I mean, number four is pretty good. You can't take that away from him. So that's the four that are on the board now, but why don't we go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time about the happiest man in the world. Hey, I can resort to showing my body. I got a 32-inch weight. I'll tell you the biggest surprise, your employment. The dream that he, too, was going to someday be a champion. You sorry excuse for a human. You sorry excuse for a man. You can have Sinatra, Tom Jones. You can have anybody you want. The Misfits, I don't care. Oh, baby, I love you, yes, I It is Royal Rankings of Managers here, week three. Quinn, 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 Quinn. And Jimmy Hart in the song, by the <laughs> yeah. way, number one. Yeah, that's right. It's about to get hot and heavy here. Yeah, Both. oh, so heavy. Don't try to pick it up. Because it's burning here. It's so heavy. Folks, we're going to be pulling two more names out of the tank very shortly here. We're going to see where they rank. 
I'm excited, Quinn, because we love a good manager. Everyone loves a good manager. It yeah, makes too the bad show they don't have fun. them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. They really don't. They don't have them the way they used to. I guess Paul Heyman's the last hanger on. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't think of any others. I mean, uh, any- sometimes Lana when she feels like it. Yeah, sometimes. She's not even rushing anymore, yeah. though, so I don't know about her. But anyway, folks. Why don't we rush in into a uh, <laughs> our next number here? Why don't we all find out without any further ado? The time for talking is through. It's turkey time. It is okay. I guess you're okay with that. I'm okay with turkey this week. Okay, we'll see. Maybe I want uh, spaghetti or something. <laughs> I don't know spaghetti. All right. So why don't we all find out, folks? Who drew number five? <laughs> You know, in the course of the climb to the Midnight Expresses to the World Tag Team Championship, you'd be surprised at the number of goofs and idiots we run across. Your favorite, Quinn, Jim Cornetta. James E. Cornette. Yeah, James E. Esquire. What does what the E stand for? Edward? Enormous. Yeah. So, all right, Jim Cornette. I personally, I think that he's one of the all-time great managers, and a lot of people think that. he got, got a lot of votes. He's good. I don't know, though. Here's my here's always my problem is his WF output is poor. Eh, it's poor, but I mean, yeah. that's not really what he was known for. I know, I know. He's pretty good in the NWA. He I'm not really take is. take that away from him. Now, Jim Cornette loved the business, grew up a fan of the business, got into the wrestling business very early on in uh, 82, I believe he started. How old was he? Then? Oh, he know? was about 21, 22 wow. years old. He loved wrestling. Yeah, I mean, it shows. He's he invented still, the star rating. He's still, still talking about yeah, it. He's yeah. still it. Well, he makes a lot of money still, I think, doing mm-hmm. it. He invented the star rating system that Meltzer popularized. Five-star match and six-star match. He loved wrestling. He started in Memphis. I believe Jerry Lawler might have uh, helped him out there. Maybe Jerry Jarrett's one of them. Whoever was Lawler down there. was known to help out a lot. Right. I mean, a lot of people got their start through Memphis. That's right. Uh, so he became a manager, a heel manager with the gimmick of a mama's boy, you know, with mm-hmm. a stupid tennis racket. Rich kid. Rich kid. At any given time, he could, you know, he could call his mama or he could get his family involved. And there was money. There'd be curtains. Yeah, yeah. He could do things. When you introduced him as from parts unknown in Lance, I know exactly where they're from. Because there is a dimension beyond that which is known to man. A dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. And he was annoying. Much oh, like so Roddy Piper. Annoying. He's he's annoying to this day. Right. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest here. And I, I bet he knows that. I yeah. bet he knows that. That was a what a phenomenal talker though. I mean, really, for the early eighties, when you look over in the WF and you've got a Grand Wizard with all the things, McMahon. Horrible. And Fred Blassie <laughs> says like six words a promo. A pencil neck geek. Like, great. I'm talking by 82, 83. Who cared? He's a real motor mouth. Let's put it that Cornette, way. He talks yeah. a million miles a minute. And he and looked that- like a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he just wanted to punch oh, him. Uh, he looks, he's got a face that's very punchable. He's got a face only a mother could love. Yeah. Right well, with his- exactly. And only his mother loved it. Just like even his glasses were annoying. Oh, yeah. Everything about him was and annoying. You know, you know what? The one thing I will say about him, he had this way about him where I was like, the people who's managing, I'd be like, why do they want to hang around this guy? Right. Like, you'd be literally like, <laughs> right. why does the Midnight Express like this is, guy's a dork. Right. Like, yeah, like they're supposed to be cool or something. But he's supposed to be very smart, too, right. is the thing, right? So he goes from Memphis to Mid-South, and then from Mid-South, he gets into World Class, and then eventually Jim Crockett promotions the NWA. He, is, he has arrived here. His biggest thing, because we can't do his entire grade, it'll take way too long. The biggest thing he did during this period of time was he managed 
a little old team you might have heard of known as the Midnight Express. That would be beautiful Bobby Eaton and lover boy Dennis Condry. Yep, he brought them in explicitly as, um, you know, the foes of the Rock and Roll Express, right? Correct. It's like this Rock and Roll Express. The hot baby face. They, they were hot and they, nobody could beat them and blah, right. blah, blah. And Jim Cornette's like, fuck these guys. I got this other team. They're an Express, but they're a midnight kind. <laughs> yeah, the other at the uh, other express, yeah, different the, the, express. The other train going right. today. Midnight train. The Midnights and the Rock and Rolls obviously have one of the most storied tag team feuds. There's in, an entire book about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, this is a big deal, right? Yeah. Other than maybe the Freebirds and Von Erichs, this is one of those big feuds from the '80s that lasted a long time. Went back and forth during its heyday. I mean, people were paying money night in night out to see these two teams fight and for years in a row and one of the reasons for that was jim Cornette. right cannot take that away from him i mean i think everybody wanted ricky morton or gibson to get their hands on him right that's the thing right that was always the the chase right and the midnights were those protectors right and one of the things that we've said from the outset of this segment what makes a manager good or one of the things that makes a manager good is drawing that kind of heat for his team or his man to the point where you want the faces to get their hands on this guy. Exactly. The time in that Philadelphia Civic Center when beautiful Bobby came off that top rope, landed on Arn Anderson's head. It changed in that brief moment the entire face of professional wrestling. We beat the odds, we beat the system, we beat the unbeatable team. Tell him, Blanchard, Arn Anderson, what you beat was a hasty retreat, brother. And Cornette no matter what you think of the man, no matter what you think of his politics or his opinions on current wrestling, all that aside, in his time here, he was at the top of the list in terms of heel draw heat drawing managers. Right. No and way around it. The other thing I will say is he was able to expand this slightly. Um, expand his waistline as well. Um, <laughs> with um, the inclusion of Big Bubba Rogers as, as kind of the heavy for this crew here. Right. Right. Trailer, of course, uh, who was kind of just a jobber wrestler until Dusty repackaged him into this intimidating big bubber big yeah, big bubber into this intimidating bodyguard with the hat yeah and the sunglasses and the big beard he's supposed to be like a I don't he looks like a, he looks like a Kansas City bodyguard at a at Kansas a con, City. like at a like nightclub or something that you know, was, you know is what that I'm Kansas saying? City Kansas or Kansas City Missouri Kansas City Missouri okay the yeah. Super Bowl winners yeah. so, exactly <laughs> so anyway. he, does, he looks like he eats a lot of BBQ and works at the you know he's like the bouncer at the front of the place right he probably uses speed stick deodorant <laughs> the roll on kind yeah and anyway Cornette uh, then you know he has a tweak happens to the Midnights a seamless tweak where you know Dennis Condry wanders off right yeah. and they bring in Sweet Stan Lane, who is just as good as Condria, in my the opinion. The only thing is, he doesn't have the little bandana he thing around. I don't know what. It's not as hairy. Can anyone ever explain to me what the fuck that is? No. Is it ever explained? It's just what he wears. I guess it's just uh, what he wears. Yeah. Right? It's just a little bit of his gimmick there. Now, Cornette managed other people as well. He actually turned face briefly for a little while when he was feeding with Paul Heyman. Nevertheless, Paul Heyman was sort of like usurping him, essentially, yeah, right? Ooh, yeah, umaga him. Umaga him, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, Cornette started Smoky Mountain Wrestling in 91. Right, a so, great promotion. Well, I mean, I the mean, old school fans like it. Like I'm not going to take that um, away. It's got its moments. Yes, um, of course it does. I just, it's funny how it was like, it never grew to where I think they thought it would grow, right? 
I don't know what Cornette had in mind for it. Yeah. It might have just been like, look, I, lo- I love the old school wrestling motherfucker and all that stuff. Let's just have fun doing this. But I love that it's like in 91 and they're like, wrestling the way you remember it from like five years ago. Maybe even like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's I the mean, only Crockett's thing. were around for into, like into the early 90s. Right. So it was very funny. I know they sold it, but I mean, their influence was still there. So right. I mean, it was kind of the same until like Ric Flair left in 91. Right. Yeah, it know. wasn't that much different right. like what they were doing. But exactly. nevertheless, he was not only the real life owner of that but he was an on-screen character had the big feud with bullet bob and he had a new team while he was in smoky mountain and that would be the heavenly bodies which initially was dr tom pritchard and stan lane yeah, big boys huh? <laughs> big boys yeah doughy yeah uh, <laughs> jimmy del rey replacing stan lane as we get to the wwf uh cornet Kind of surprisingly, because if you think about just his whole career to this point, his 12, 13 year career, he was a Southern guy, right? He worked in Continental. He worked in Mid-South. He worked in Georgia. He worked in Smoky Mountain. Now he's going to Vince McMahon's company in 93. So, I've always thought this, and maybe I'm correct, maybe I'm not, but this there was some kind of falling out with Turner, right? I mean, that there's no other way to... Well, that's why he left WCW, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, He did not like where that company was going yeah no he did not i don't know if it was um it might have been who's pizza guy jim hurd yeah well jim hurd pissed off everyone i know he had his problems with jim hurd hurd was the biggest prick nevertheless Cornette, as part of a working agreement with smoky mountain winds up in the wwf and he the first thing he does is he manages yokozuna with mr fuji right the spokesperson i wouldn't yes. say it was a fuji the american was the man- spokesperson fuji was the manager but Fuji doesn't speak good English, and no. this is WF champion. Fuji's prized possession right. here. He's going to get a spokesperson to more accurately right. tell us the thoughts of Yokozuna. And like also, Yosh. Yeah, yeah like, like, and Banzai. Yeah, exactly. And that's about it, what right? Do this, what does it all mean? Well, Jim's, Jim Cornette will <laughs> lay it all out for us. And he'll check the contracts, make sure everything's good, you know what I mean? Because yeah. Fuji might not have the best you know, English reading ability, too. He's devious. But he, but he, you know, his English not the not, best, not so good. Not, so he consults with Cornet. Can right. you just tell me right. what's going on on this contract here? Nice of Cornet to do that. He also manages the Heavenly Bodies there to uh, not much success whatsoever. I mean, they they face the Steiners in a good match at SummerSlam '93, and then he's just there sometimes yeah. with them. That's they're, about it. That team, the Heavenly Bodies, they're so like they're half, good. They're they're good, but they feel so halfway there because they're like literally doing Smoky Mountain shit at the same time. Correct. Uh, in fact, they win the the Smoky Mountain titles from the Rock and Roll Express at Survivor Series '93. Remember that? That's so weird. <laughs> it is weird. But then Cornette, as a manager, again, we know he was also working backstage as a manager. One of the great things he did was manage Owen Hart and Yokozuna to the tag titles. I love that team. And that was a great thing because it was a revenge angle on Brett mostly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was essentially like you know what Bret Hart sucks. Let's get his two worst like enemies right let's tag them together and right. then they're gonna like dominate right? right and that led of course to the camp cornet stable which Ugh, would later include okay. the british bulldog invader that didn't i know that stunk it was horrible and i'm sorry this like, is it's where, just bad this is where i think at this point early cornet and wf was okay it wasn't great. like it didn't blow you away but it was good it was it, it, was, it was consistent right? it was a much needed upgrade to yoko's From this hole. point on gets a little... Camp Cornette is crummy. It, it's sketchy. And Cornette, this his <laughs> clown suits that he would wear. I know. It was just enough already, right? Like, like, I kind of dug when he had the leather jacket with the with the coattails on it with Yokozuna with the gold tassels. <laughs> like, 10. He seemed like this new age like fancy boy or something, but like I don't know what else to call him. <laughs> That's I, a term for you. Yeah, new age fancy <laughs> new boy. New age fancy boy. 
you know, once he he just looked like a fucking old man. I didn't like, like him. Just as, like, yeah, what is he going at golf? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. I didn't like him as Vader's manager. Really, that didn't. That never worked. It didn't work for me, and I just didn't. I didn't like his '96. I thought his '96 was crummy. This I, is where he really started to go downhill. Yeah, and maybe they were intentionally not giving him great things. I mean, he managed fucking Mantar in '95. Yeah, but if he's such a good manager, you'd think he would <laughs> do something, right? I, I mean, like he'd make fair, it, he'd, he'd work with it. Fair. And then don't forget, we have to mention this. He managed Dan Severin with seven belts or whatever, and oh, you hated God. it. Yes, this horrible... <laughs> Look, I have Dan Severin! This was like, to me, it's like the manager that comes in with all these belts, so that's why he's good. It was terrible. The problem was the moron writing the television at the time was a complete jock-sniffing idiot. Get We all know that Cornette did the NWA invasion angle in early 98, but I don't want to get too much on his case for that because that was Vince Russo's idea, and mm-hmm. Vince Russo knew it would stink. The NWA thing. Yeah, I'm not going to blame horrible. Cornette for that, though. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? North it, American title. Yeah, like, it was, uh, it was crappy. Horrible. And he obviously managed in TNA, but let's be honest, who cares about TNA? No, We're not he, here to talk about that. Nobody nobody ever wants to talk about that, if he, unless it's like Madison Rain or something, right. which is funny. And when he's not getting kicked out of companies for saying things on the air, you know, his overall career, he built an impressive one. If he had never gone to TNA, yeah. if he had stopped, that's Jim Cornette. I think, and we'll see where he lands when we do the ranking, but I think overall... Awesome manager. Good manager. Um, really great talker. Um, mostly, I feel, the one thing I do want to say before we leave him yep. is that I think he's another guy that people cross with his what he did backstage with his managing. Yeah, and, I know. And, and elevates him to maybe a place that is not deserved. I, I don't know. We'll have to see, Quinn. There, because of his booking opinions or whatever. There might be some validity there. We'll yeah. see. Uh, but for right now, why don't we all find out who drew number six? Cornette. Paul yeah. Bear. Mr. Bear. Mr. Bear. Mr. Uh, Pringle. Also known, yes, of course, as Percy Pringle, although everyone voted them in as Paul Bear, so. Yeah, they, they don't want Pringles. They huh? don't want Pringles. So they, they popped and they stopped. Yeah. Why? Anyway, Paul Bear was not just The Undertaker's manager. He did many other things as a manager. Of, most of the time. <laughs> most of the time, but I mean, before, way before that, you know, before he was even in the WWF, he was a manager known as Percy Pringle, or Percy Pringle the Third, I guess, right? It looked like he ate a lot of Pringles. <laughs> like, th- more than most people. I think he started in, like, the late 70s or something like that, and he was in a championship wrestling for Florida. Most notably, World Class is where the Pringle right. character was the biggest deal because he managed rick rude yeah i mean that's good that was a big deal what i want you to know is that i'm from the deep south good old mobile alabama i want you to know that i wasn't like some of these other managers i didn't come into the world with a silver spoon in my mouth i've had to work and i mean work hard for everything that i can get I believe he also managed Steve Austin for a bit in world class when Austin was down but there. But these were all before these people were anything, right? I mean, let's be fair. Rude was Austin, yeah. Rude, Rude was, was like, a bit of a name down there. Somewhat, yeah. A rising star. I mean, from what I've seen him in world class, he's not. He's still not Rick Rude. No, like, no. His big deal yet. But he was pretty good down there. I think he also managed like the missing link, you know, Dingo Warrior maybe, like shit like, like that in world everyone class. Everyone fucking managed the missing link. <laughs> yeah, no like, one liked seriously, him, I guess. Like, I don't know. Jimmy Hart trading for him and all this shit. <laughs> Bobby managed him. Yeah, no one liked him. What the fuck? <laughs> but his most notable career as a manager started in the WWF uh, in early 91, where on the Brother Love show, I believe it was, Brother Love handed over his charge the undertaker to this guy that looked like a fat mortician because that's what he was he looked more like the undertaker <laughs> yeah because it was such a stark contrast of brother love 
Mr. Right. I Love You with Die, Die, Die Undertaker. <laughs> like, I guess that was the idea, though, right? I guess. But then after a while, I think they just wanted to have a better branding because, like, it's good for a shock value, but it's hard to put on, like, a T-shirt, like, Brother Love standing next to the fucking Undertaker yeah, or something. Yeah, does, it like, doesn't look as good, right? Yeah, exactly. You just... Get die, to, die, die. Exactly. You don't... <laughs> that and... I love yeah, you! Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, it just doesn't... It clashes too much. Right. So they bring a Paul Bear, and we all know the Paul Bear gimmick, right? He's got the white face and the dark eyebrows and the dark circles, and he's got the urn. He looks like one of the Adams family, like the like dad or whatever. Gomez or something yeah, like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. And he's got the urn. And in the early Paul Bear, like 91 heel Paul Bear, when The Undertaker was still a heel, he doesn't talk as, oh, he's a little more That's like. That's when he's face. Yeah. <laughs> more, you can, you, I don't know. The more face he gets, the more, oh. He's, I don't know why that's supposed to be more friendly or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, he's not as it's imposing, like, I guess. It's like a cartoon or something, yeah. right? And the early days, he's more like, ha, 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 you know yeah. that. And anyway, he has the, he holds the urn close to him when The Undertaker's in danger. Now, when, I got to say this. he holds it out when The Undertaker's dominating. I got to say this. I have to give Paul Bear credit about this urn shit. Yeah. He made it seem like that thing did something. Like, he really know, did. Yeah, like, as he made it seem like whatever the fuck is in that <laughs> that Kmart fucking bowling trophy, that that shit is like powerful or something, it's and amazing. it's controlling. Like they, I swear, the announcers and Paul Bear basically like out of thin air made this thing mean something. It's amazing because it's just a fucking prop. Yeah, that's all it is. But they, Paul Bear played it straight. He played it straight, as straight as you can. He'd in hold this it out and kind of wave yeah. in front of it, so you would think like, oh, is he like? Is there like power coming out of You're it? Because right. like the Undertaker's like supernatural, and he, he would never say, get, yeah. he never gets hurt. And like sometimes, like when Undertaker would go down, Paul Bear would like kind of hold it out or something, and like do some shit, yep. and then all of a sudden the Undertaker gets up yep. like that scary way and you're like oh I guess he got like replenished or something right. by that urn and Paul would be like the power of the urn right. and all yeah. that stuff I mean really as dumb as it sounds he put his all into making that a real thing it's interesting because it makes you put on that disbelief in your brain right. for a second like you believe that like well yeah of course Undertaker's got urn powers right. whatever that is it, that, that concept didn't even exist before this they just invented it right by the way do you know where he got the urn uh, he earned it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so Paul Bearer becomes a face along with The Undertaker in early 92. Uh, incidentally, in that Jake Roberts feud where, right. on the funeral parlor, mm-hmm. right? Where Roberts attacks Paul Bearer and all the stuff goes down, right? And then he's just like, the one thing about Paul Bearer, though, in these early days, he doesn't really talk much. And when he does, it's like nothing. Like, he does talk, but he it's just not talks about important. like how The Undertaker is yeah. like making a new casket. Right. Or, 29 or, bodies! Yeah. The Undertaker's gonna I'm win! Yeah. Working in the workshop yeah. overtime <laughs> like, for the Royal Rumble! <laughs> I'm not even in the union! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not getting prevailing wage! Anyway, sorry. Uh, so, but here, here's, he okay, with all this said, all this great stuff said. Say it. He's a one-trick pony. I That's think. the only trick so far. Yeah, there's... Well, how do you evolve out of this, right? right? It's like... We he, have to at some he's point. He's literally like a messed up like mortician. Maybe he's also dead. We're not sure. We don't think he's dead, right? I thought, he's round. So I thought his face being pale was to signify that him and the Undertaker were undead. No, I think it's that I, he, that's what I personally thought as a kid. He, he doesn't see the sun because he's always embalming people. Which that's he, what, so that's what you thought because I was the yeah. other way around. I thought no. both of them like he's the un- not dead because the Undertaker works at a funeral parlor. He's an Undertaker. Right. Paul Bear works at one he's too. He's a mortician. I that maybe some circumstance something happened to them no, and they alive. both died together and he, they're and they're like 
they're coming all, you no. know what I mean? No, no, no. He, no. he takes care of his son that the Undertaker doesn't know about on the side, you know, well, the that, other son. That's revealed later, so that's, that actually adds a lot of depth to this right. whole relationship. So just to be fair to Paul Bearer, between 91 and 96, yes, he's good, and yeah, he's there, but he doesn't, especially as a face manager, which is most of that run, he doesn't really do anything. Well, I mean, he powers the Undertaker. He powers the Undertaker. Other than that. He comes back at SummerSlam 93. I like when he punches Harvey Whippleman. That's funny. Good. But that's about it, right? He he has the big urn in 94 when the Undertaker's gone and, and he comes the back. the small urn. Yeah. <laughs> well, after it's melted down yeah, and they, the different they have to like, reconstitute it right. or whatever. The handles on yeah. it. But in SummerSlam, in the SummerSlam of 96... He turns on the Undertaker when during his feud with Mankind. Right, he hits the Undertaker with his own urn, and that was fi- it's like finally Paul Bearer is going to do something now. Right, and this is where we find out that holy shit, Paul Bearer can talk. An Undertaker loyalty means nothing. It's not my fault. It's not Mankind's fault. It's the creatures of the night. Yeah, he was wonderful, actually. He really turned it up. Yep, he um, cranked it up, man. During this period of time, slowly but surely, the, the white makeup started right. dis- disappearing, let right? Me, you know, let me get into that. So, yeah. he's Mankind's manager now throughout the whole rest of 96 and into 97, but not only that, he takes over for Vader in January in 97 from Cornette. Good. And who would have thought that Paul Bearer would be like a much better manager for Vader than Jim Cornette. It works because it's Paul Bear now he's not a mortician who's possibly undead. He's like kind of a madman. He's yes. kind of like like you're like the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like what, he's crazy, you right? Know? And the Undertaker still hates him, right? Right. So the Undertaker wins the world title at WrestleMania 13, and Paul Bear now wants a piece of the pie. He's like, right. "Will you please take me back?" Yeah. Right. And Undertaker burns his face, or maybe mankind accidentally does. Uh, in the spring of 97, right. when Paul Bearer comes back, he's got his natural brown hair and no makeup. And now he's not even doing the whole... Now he just talks like loud and angrily. Yes. And this is where the Kane build starts. When Brother Love brought me into the World Wrestling Federation, he didn't bring me in off the streets. I've known you for many, many years. So Paul Bearer... You know, th- this was, that how was could pissed. the Undertaker fucking do this to him, right? right? Or whatever. But he's like, I got a secret. Yep. At first, it's just, I got a secret, yep. right? It's, it, it's, they're not even a hint at what it is or anything. And then slowly, he's like, your brother. Remember your brother. And then he's like, well, you know what? He's still alive. But I tell you that Cain is alive. Yes, he is. And then it gets started slowly to reveal. You're like, well, why is he still alive? And then Paul Bear's kind of like, well, there was an accident, and the Undertaker could have saved him right. when they were kids, and he didn't. Yep. Right. So then, this fucking shit evolves into like essentially like the Undertaker's like that's not what happened. Blah blah blah. They're arguing and scuffling over it. Then it's revealed that Paul Bearer is actually Kane's dad. Right. So then you're like, well, what the fuck? And then slowly but surely, it gets revealed. Oh, by the way, <laughs> Kane's your brother, which means I'm your father. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Huh? And this. All was carried because Kane didn't talk. When once yeah. he, you know, this is all carried by two things: the Undertaker selling it, right. you know, like caring for once about something. You know what I mean? Like not just being like die, 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 mm-hmm. but like actually reacting to what Paul Bearer was saying. And Paul Bearer, his promos during this period of time in '97 and '98 are awesome. Yeah, they are underratedly awesome. They're very, very They're good. Really good. Um, I love. What I explained, I was trying to convey the drip, drip, drip of all of right. this, is that it wasn't like all at once. Well, no. It was like little details dropping left and right. right. And then it all comes together with that final detail that Kane is your brother. 
I've told you that Kane yep. is my son. Yep. The implication, Paul Bearer, who the Undertaker fucking hates at this point, yep. is his father that he didn't know was his father. Yep. And then, of course, because it's the Attitude Era, they team up again. They're back together at like the end of 98. Yeah. You know, when the Undertaker turns heel, does the ministry, Paul Bearer is around for that. And Paul Bearer, after early 2000, remember when he was like a face again, mm-hmm. he managed Kane. After that, he's like in and out a little bit. Yeah. I think his last like really good appearance was when he came back to manage the Undertaker in 04. Right. I know he was there after well, that. I, I mean, know. his last appearance, they actually killed the freaking character. And when off. he got buried in the cement, right? Right. But the last really like classic Paul Bearer, when he came back to manage the Undertaker, there's not much more to talk about. Yeah. Beyond that, his career is linked exclusively pretty much to The Undertaker. Yeah, which overshadows probably some good work that he did do in World Class as right. Percy Pringle, which was a different type of character. Mm-hmm. You know, and what's really funny is that he was a mortician in real life. Wait, what? No, I, he I really was a funeral director. No, he really actually oh, that's was. funny. And obviously, the name Paul Bearer. Get it? Paul Bearer. Right. At a funeral. Yeah. Ha ha ha. ha. But anyway, that's Paul Bearer. I like him. I think he might get overlooked a bit, but I think he's really good. So, Quinn, let's run it down here for the ranking again. On the board right now at number one is Jimmy Hart, two is Sherry, three is Paul Heyman, and four is J.J. Dillon. Knowing you, I know you're going to want to just start Cornette at the bottom and put him against Dillon. There's also not that many. There's not that many. There's not that many, so I think it's fair enough. I think Cornette, okay, I'm going to surprise you now. I do think Cornette is better than J.J. Dillon. I do too, but... I, and I like J.J. Dillon. I, I know you do. I want to hear your rationale. I just think that there's more... I think the thing that with J.J. Dillon that really kind of, when we were discussing him, that really made me have to put this into perspective is that he really only managed for like four years or something like that. Like, and, it wasn't like long. And it was almost exclusively the horseman. But what's interesting about J.J. Dillon, to his own credit, he made you think he'd been managing like since like the 50s or Fair some point. shit. Yeah, you know? good point. Yeah, he would. He had just been wrestling right before managing. Right, exactly. His career winded down and then he just kind of seamlessly yep. like, oh, I've always been a manager. That's right. what it felt That's like. That's what it felt yeah. like. That's what he looked like. Yeah. Uh, I think I agree with you too. I think as good, I think we said this when we talked about Dylan, as good as he was, the horsemen were still all really good talkers and maybe, you know, they would have been okay without him. Not with that Japanese guy. J.J. Dillon was more like dressing on the Four Horsemen. He was to make it seem like it was like, you know, that money shit they're talking about? Well, you know money people always have some goober, like, like, managing that shit for them. He was the cherry on top. Yeah, exactly. They could have gotten by without him, but it worked, right? garnish, if you will. garnish. Whereas Cornette, man, holy crow. Did he draw heat, and was he necessary for his tag teams and the wrestlers right. he managed? And that's the difference there. He's kind of in a weird way. He's a lot like Jimmy Hart in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like he's that kind of just annoying. Like you want to punch him, kind of thing. Motor mouth. A lot of managers, a lot of good ones. You hate them, but you don't want to like hurt them. You know what I mean? Even the brain. Like I don't want to punch brain. Well, a lot of people wanted to punch brain. I know what the wrestlers did, but I, it, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Brain didn't incite that like kind of anger. As okay. like a guy like Jimmy Hart or a guy like uh, Jim Cornette did. Fair enough. Now, I'm not going to, we're not going to elevate Cornette above anyone else yet, but I do want to make a blanket statement right now. I think Jim Cornette is the best talker on this list. I think mm. he's better than Dylan for sure. I think he's better than Heyman. Heyman, huh? I do. I think they're maybe tied, but I think Cornette's a little better. I think Cornette is funny. And he's, he's better than Sherry, therefore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that he's better. At talking, I'm saying. That just than everyone talking, on the though. List. I don't know if it elevates him. Well, let's put him I, against Heyman. I think he just barely edges out Heyman. And really, Heyman's problem mostly is because 
the ma- vast majority of his career Here we go. was ECW. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. And I guess as the Paul E. Dangerously manager, yeah, it wasn't as big time uh, as of a thing as well, Cornette was. He also was kind of a Cornette replacement. He wasn't Cornette. Like, he took that role in a, in a sense. Paul E. Dangerously, James E. Cornette. Yeah. A lot of E. So much E. So much E. Yeah. I think Cornette's better than Heyman. I think Cornette's success with the Midnights uh, mm-hmm. is bigger than anything Heyman did. I agree. I mean, it just that's okay, what it let's is. Let's put him you know? over Heyman. Okay. Now, Sherry, you're going to have a hard time convincing me because really, I just I Sherry's one of those managers that I continually like look back at and I'm like, how did nobody realize how fucking good she was? That she's like tremendously better. She's leaps and bounds better than a lot of managers. Like she really is. <sighs> like it's it's kind of stunning actually to I mean, look back at the body of work. It, it is, but I don't know that she. Here's one thing, right? Creatively, from like a fan enjoyment point of view, like she's really good. Like we can look back and see that now. Yeah. But in terms of what a manager is really supposed to do, she didn't really make people want to see their wrestler more. Or you know, well, you know okay, what I'm so saying. This is what I think Sherry does. Is I think she works in a different way. Whereas Cornette was like a heat magnet, right? Where you want to see him get punched, right? Yes. Here's the thing is I didn't give a fuck what happened at the Midnight Express. I gave a fuck that they got to Cornette. Which Sherry, Sherry does the opposite. She's like, um, she like pushes the heat onto the people she manages. You know what I mean? Like, you hate kind them of, so much know. because this annoying, fucking, angry, crazy woman is with them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's able to, like, she's like a heat deflector. Almost like she takes the heat and reflects it or deflects it onto her guy. But at the same time, I think the same is true for Cornette. I mean, the reason people cared so much about the Midnights and and Rock and Rolls is because of Cornette. But you ultimately, what I'm saying is, is that the result is you ultimately care about Cornette getting hit rather than the guys in front of him. It's the same thing for Sherry. I mean, people wanted Hogan to beat her up. People wanted Piper to beat her up. Yeah, but that, that always wasn't. People absolutely fucking hated the Macho Man. Who they had once loved, just like yeah, but he would have been hateable before. on his own. Look, I love Sherry. I'm not trying to diminish anything, but he would have been hateable on his own. I was, think that was like a perfect team. Can I ask the you two this? Of them. Was, yeah. was do you feel the Macho Man was more hateable under Miss Elizabeth or Sensational Sherry? Like I'm talking Macho Man that they would say, "Oh, he's beating her up" or whatever they said. Like you know what I mean? Like how they would infer that, um, or this this absolute jerk lady who's like just awful and probably like, sherry yeah like, I, i'll agree with that yeah i i just i'll I, go with you and i feel she did that on all her men she took Shawn michaels who was this happy-go-lucky rocker <laughs> grease lightning and, and who would never have been believable as a as a heel without her like, i think she helped Shawn the most out of everyone she managed right more than dibiase or savage exactly it's just it's it's what sherry does for her person to me, that elevates her above a guy like Cornette, who Cornette is kind of bringing his, like, built-in ongoing heat to them that's, like, they're just kind of getting, like, a residual off of him. But again, I gotta go back to the talking aspect. Cornette's the best one on the list at talking. Cornette was probably the most, the best at drawing heat on this list. And that's fine, but I don't know. Why would Sherry be better is all I'm saying. Like, how how is she actually a better manager? You can like her more. 
But I'm saying, is she actually a better manager, more successful than Jim Cornette? You know what I mean? She puts a lot more effort into it. I don't think so. Have you ever seen Cornette talk? He puts his all into what he was doing. I'm not talking about Mantar. I'm not talking about Vader. I'm talking about the heyday. You know what I mean? Sherry is one of the most involved managers I have ever seen. I'm not kidding. Yeah, but so is Cornette. No, I mean mean from in the ring. Yeah, so do I. Sherry's one of those managers that I've never seen someone get on the fucking apron 25 fucking times in a yeah. match unlike Sherry. Cornette fell off a fucking scaffold. Yes, but I'm saying it's it's the consi- I don't even like him and I'm it's, trying to argue from look the, what you're doing to me. It's the consistency basis with Sherry. It's that I know I'm going to get something super fucking exciting. Jim Cornette though! <laughs> yeah, you Jim- know he's going to be entertaining. You know he's going to be talking. You know he's going to get involved. He's got the tennis racket. But when we get to the match, all I all I get is like him walking around and then occasionally, if he has to, use the tennis racket. Other than that one time he fell off the scaffold. Yeah, but a mark like, of a good manager isn't always getting involved every single time. Then that becomes more about getting themselves over and being a distraction. I I don't know. How I, could I, you say, I love Sherry, but how is she better than Jim Cornette? I think that they're very even. Let's put it that way. I really do. You don't think... Wait a minute. I think that You're they're telling very me there's even. no hope in hell here that Cornette is better than Jimmy Hart? <laughs> He's a better version of Jimmy Hart. <sighs> Quinn, I, look. I feel like it was a mistake to put Jimmy <laughs> above Sherry now. Like, I, look, I, I, I honestly like I. She just. I. There is something about her that is so different. Listen, so I agree. So interesting. I so, agree. So fascinating. You watch those matches and you're like, man, she. These matches are electric because she's there. I agree. But we got We're scientists, right? We have licenses to practice science, mm-hmm. right? That's a real thing, of course. We have lab coats, and there's so many things going on here in this in this clean room that we're in. Yeah. If we want to talk favorites real quick, which is not what this list is, my favorite on this list is Sherry. Yeah. I Plain and she simple. has to be. Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, she's just unbelievable. But we want to retain our scientific integrity here. Mm-hmm. I cannot put Sherry Martell above Jim Cornette. I just can't do it. I don't have a reason to. But I think by virtue of that, you're trying. You're you're basically arguing that Cornette's number one because I think she's, she's just going to jump over Jimmy if you're saying he's just better Jimmy. Well, let's just line up the criteria again, right? As a talker, come on, Cornette's better than everyone on here. He's more entertaining than he's everyone a on talker here. Talker is one thing, but also part what, of being a manager. What, what you do when you're at the show also matters. Yeah, but come on, Quinn. Jimmy Hart doesn't get any more involved. Than Sherry Martell, I mean, or any Mount less involved. Yeah, I mean, Mount South does get very involved. He gets chased a bunch. The same as Cornette, Throws though. in that fucking megaphone. I know, but Cornette does the same thing. I don't like that I'm defending him, because as a, overall, I don't really care for him. You know, I think he has some good ideas and some good opinions and some very bad ones, and I think he's jerky. But it's not about that. It's about what he did as a, a manager, right? I also feel that part of the pressure here is Cornette's fan base is absolutely rabid, and I do think well, they're they, a cult. I do think they inflate his greatness vastly. Mm. Here's here's the biggest strike against him always. Overall, we talked about all that stuff he fucking did, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, he really is a one trick pony. The Midnight Express was everything, and the rest of his career was chasing that. Let's be fair. I will concede to that. Yeah. I absolutely will. And it is kind of like relying on the, what was the Al Bundy thing? Like he was a good football player in high school and he always right. like went back to that, you know, exactly. but meanwhile he's a fat slob sitting on the couch, right? Right. It's like, yeah, I manage the midnights. I right. manage and the midnights. And everything after that, he was a fat slob sitting on the couch. Right. Trying to relive the glory days. It doesn't take anything away from his talent though. Yeah, that's, again, why, like, I look at a Jimmy Hart and a Sherry, and I say they move from person to person to person. 
they always were consistent. There's not like an irregularity from jumping from person to person. Cornette, it's like it's a massive fall from from the Midnight Express. Like it is is a massive drop off. Okay, let's look at it this way. Cornette had the highest of highs compared to Sherry and Jimmy Hart, right? Like mm-hmm. nothing that either of them did was as big as Cornette with the Midnight's probably, but they maybe were more consistent. Sherry didn't do that much though either. I don't know. The whole Macho King run would know, be her highest of high. I know. She was on fucking Arsenio. When, oh, during yeah, that. but I, still, I'm just, saying, I mean, I'm just pointing out that that was a pretty big high. I, I don't want to discredit it is all. So what do you want to do? What are you trying to tell me? You want to keep Cornette at number three? Mm. We could get disbarred from practicing science. I think you would be surprised how many people might side with us here. No. I, well, I mean, whatever I, people I, decide, I know, they decide. I know it's that okay. this, there's going to be a strong, absolutely strong argument from the Southern Wrestling contingent on our boards about... Well, uh, the WWF bias. Right, you know, the they're going to think that we're... Bias, which we maybe are. I'm trying not to. I'm looking at the success that... When Cornette got to the big time, he was... When he got to the World Wrestling Federation, which was still big... Yeah. I don't see it. I'm like, who is this guy? Part of that, though, is because of who they gave him. Besides the world champion. Well, he, he didn't the, he the, world the world champion. But it was Yokozuna. Yeah, he had the world champion coming in. He wasn't good with Vader. Yeah. He wasn't. I'm sorry. He wasn't good with... The Camp Cornette is the worst thing of 96. It's so bad. It's like it just replaces the million dollar corporation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. It's like... I okay. listen. It, it it is a credit to him that Midnight Express shit is huge, big money. And he's one of the best talkers. Things we agree. But I can't over these people that have these large bodies of work. It's so hard. And Paul Heyman, who has a large yeah. body, yeah, it's so hard to just say he's like the best fucking shit. When you look at how much work Jimmy Hart and Sherry, like so many people. Yeah, but Cornette did a lot of work too. Yeah, I have a proposition for you. Okay. Based on his the highest of highs that he had, based on his superior talking ability, can we put him above Sherry? Let's be fair here. Okay. Come on. Fine. Now, I, Jimmy I, Hart, I don't though, agree with that, but I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I think, I'll concede. I love Sherry. Look, she's number three on the fucking list. That's yeah. good. Jimmy Hart, though. Baby, baby, baby. Cornette's a better talker, but maybe not by much. Jimmy Hart's a great talker, too. Jimmy Hart was with the best of the best. And he also constantly had gold. Was very inventive, but is he, there a reason that Cornette could be above him? Here's the thing: I think the only rational reason is exactly what we talked about: is that that midnight shit was so massive. I know, uh, but I don't know if consistency outweighs a, a massive moment for two or three years. It's not like Cornette only did that midnight team for a year, though. It was like five years he managed them. It wasn't like it was a little bit. I'm just saying, every single thing following that was just chasing it. And that's, I agree. That, and that, that is just what is so striking about about him is that that's what always sticks out in my head more is seeing this sad fucking thing where it's just it's always some tag team that just isn't as good. You know, like but Cornette himself is consistently good. Cornette's fine, but you just don't like him. His, I know. Well, his character also evolved into a guy that I mean, 
literally even in WF, it was like old man yells at cloud. Yeah, like, I know. You know what I mean? Those remember those vignettes where he would like talk about how the company <laughs> don't sucks bring those ass up. or whatever. Don't bring those. Like I'm just, I just mean to say, is that a heart angle? Yeah, it's just it, it's, it's all bad. His it, WWF stuff sucks. It's so bad. Like, but it, Jimmy Hart though, after '92, is useless. Once he becomes Hogan's manager, like right. his career might as well been over. He never did a damn thing that mattered again. Yeah, but I mean, he was involved in the fucking Jerry Lawler shit. So I you know, can say just a, with just as strong as an argument that you could say he had a high. He had a like high, a huge high. I agree with that. And he also and has honky, a honky tonk man. Donkey. Yeah, I mean, he made that shit work. He did. I think Jimmy Hart's got. He's he might have more success. He can got elevate a guy that maybe is not anything. I mean, Corn. The Midnight's were all were pretty big, also like in their own right. You know what I mean? Yes. I'd say Jim Cornette was probably bigger than them, but... Clearly. But I'm not saying... I'm, I'm just trying to put, point out that the Midnights were comparable. They, I guess, but Cornette was the, the biggest reason for that But Jimmy Hart feud. had these huge guys that were a big deal, but he also had guys that were just like, why the fuck would I ever think a hockey talk man matters? I know. Other than Jimmy Hart being with them. But Cornette was a better talker. That's about it. Yeah. And probably drew more money. Probably. That's Not arguable. Made more, but maybe drew more people. That's arguable. Yeah. I think Cornette was more directly responsible for yeah. drawing more than Jimmy Hart was. I mean, I, I, that's, that's really, the you're only really criteria. just talking. Uh, you're really only talking, talking one feud. You're also just talking like technicalities here because yes. who the fuck knows how much money the honky tonk man at B shows drew well, the throughout the entire run. You're saying you want to leave Jimmy Hart at number one? I'll do it. If okay, that's what yeah. you want to do, I'll do it. Okay, well, well, that's our happy medium. It's based on the fact that uh, Jim Cornette's WWF stuff sucked. Jimmy Hart's WCW stuff sucked. Jim Cornette had that really one hot angle, and Jimmy Hart had the honky tonk man. It's very close. Yeah. So I have no reason to put Cornette above Jimmy Hart. Hart Foundation, all that. Hart Foundation. Yeah. 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 Good point. Yeah. Jimmy Hart number one. Yes. Continue. Okay. Jimmy Hart number one. Now Paul Bear. Paul Bear. I, Percy. I'm not. I don't want to try to cut him short or anything. I don't think he's going to climb that high. Okay. Fair I, enough. I think we have to start him at Dylan. Right. I think he's better than Dylan. I think he's a better talker I mean, than Dylan. just having The Undertaker, it's like... And it's, he it's had this, The Undertaker. It's the Jim Cornette effect. If Cornette could climb that high, right. like just like the Midnight Express mainly. Right. The Undertaker. It's very rare you run into a manager that is so tied in to one guy, but on the other hand, is also was able to manage other people because of that tie. Like basically, That's part like of why, yeah. what's so interesting about it is like because he was he was able to manage mankind and Vader and shit because and those Kane. people didn't like and Kane because those people didn't like the Undertaker, right? Like you know what I mean? Like he's I know this is horrible, but it's a weird the Undertaker. It's in some sense is kind of like how fucking Glacier had his own universe of fucking like people. Wish he, you didn't say that. I just mean to say it's like it's this. It, I think that even the Glacier idea was applying the same concepts oh, of God. the Undertaker just poorly. Bad, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, kind like, of like a, like a guy James Vandenberg ex- was Paul Bear. Yeah, it, like a guy that exists in this own, their own like this their own like corner of the roster it's or all some bad, shit. Though, yeah, Quinn. yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question though. Paul Bear as a face manager, damn near useless. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But the Undertaker wouldn't have been the same without him for all that corporation feud yeah. and all the shit that he. <laughs> the Undertaker was still figuring out talking. Also, very good point. Yeah, yeah Paul Bear did. I mean, he'd be like Yokozuna, and that, yeah. that'd be it. You know, yeah. meet your maker, all that stuff. He'd just say whatever the catchphrase was at that point They're to both, sell the T-shirts. They were both so silly, though. Him and Undertaker, Paul Bear, it was so stupid. I'm being honest. It's hokey. They didn't say anything good. I think you're looking at it from a modern perspective. No. I, as a kid, I no. thought I thought they were cool. Like because it what? was like 
because there was no other thing like this. Well, they're it was unique. Like, it was like it was like what? Very unique. It's like they're they they were like that straight out of a comic book kind of straight thing. out of Compton, especially like. <laughs> I'm talking though straight out of like straight out of Compton. They were very 90s, which was so they weren't like 80s comic book superhero. They were like 90s, like What's Spawn the guy that, or some shit. Spawn, yeah, you know what I mean? Like just some dark ass shit. All right, so let's put fat against fat. Paul Bearer versus Paul Heyman. I unfortunately for Paul Bearer, I'd have to give Paul Heyman the nod. Yeah, I don't like to, but I know it. But I mean, look, it's a big roadblock, especially big because it's Paul Heyman, <laughs> but. Well, okay, one last, like, brainstorm here, okay? Yeah. They're both named Paul. Yeah. That's where the similarities are. No, they're both really big. They both didn't like The Undertaker at a certain right. point. They both have a big horizontal base. Mm-hmm. Girthy. Yeah. Rotund. Mm-hmm. Fat. Yes. Okay. Paul, the Paul Heyman, though? The Paul Heyman. I think he's a better talker, but Paul Bearer is vastly underrated, I think. I don't yes. want to take anything away from Paul him. Paul Bearer could be a good storyteller. At Excellent. Time. Yeah, I mean, his whole explanation of what the fuck happened with Kane and The Undertaker Excellent. is like a master class, the, small, the slow drip and everything. Yeah. Like, it's great. And he conveyed anger and, and just hateable. But In a weird way, Paul yeah, Heyman had a lot more opportunities than Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer was pigeonholed. I was just going to say that. Like, he yeah. was just like, whatever The Undertaker was doing, he was tied to it. Yeah, like, that's the problem. And most of the time that he managed The Undertaker, Undertaker was a face. Right. And face managers, just by their nature, yeah. are not very interesting. And what was interesting is, like, once The Undertaker was along with Paul as a heel, like, ministry... Paul Bear just became a side person again. Yeah. Like in that ministry, like yeah. Paul Bear was just there as like, oh look, I'm super evil because I'm back with the guy that showed me he was super evil, like yeah. and wasn't really with me all along. Didn't he have the black hair again, but not yeah. the white face? Yeah, just he, the black he was hair. like super sinister. Yeah, like, it was just like, oh man, we know this guy's like we've seen what how screwed <laughs> up Paul Bear yeah. is. You know, like now Undertaker's heel again, and he's got Paul right. Bear. But that's when Undertaker was carrying the load on the promos, though, because yeah. he was a Satan taker. Right, you know, exactly. I, uh, I'm dead. Whatever it was, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forgeries, check forgery, whatever he talked about. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I can't. Ah, it's tough because Paul Bearer was the longtime manager Undertaker, but most of that career was poopy. Yeah, <laughs> it was once Paul Bearer wasn't with him that the Undertaker actually did interesting things, and Paul Bearer did interesting. Correct. Things. Like so, it's like when they weren't together is what really was the catalyst for making Paul Bearer into anything we right. remember. Stones are so cold, Undertaker. Yeah. You know. Meanwhile, Paul Bearer's Mankind Invaders manager was like they both got better when they were apart. Right. They were locked together and they made sense, but they were face and it wasn't that good. Even Paul, when they were apart, though, they really were together. Right, because like, they were always tied together. Yeah. Paul Bear's a great promo, but again, he didn't get to do it enough. Percy Pringle, great promo, but Heyman, from from the beginning until this day, yeah. still a good talker, okay. still fat. I think, I think we got we got our list here. Paul Bear number five. Yeah, we got two Jims and two Pauls on this list. Why is... Yeah, well, three three Jims, because we, we got James J. Yeah, Dillon. Yeah. Uh, why is... Real quick, why is Paul Bear better than JJ? Why is he better? Yeah, just to um, justify it because we didn't talk longevity. about that. longevity, 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 longer career, and more and unique de- and depth. Paul Bear as a character has a lot more depth than J- depth than JJ Dillon. Yes, and yeah. depth and technically. Death, yeah. Well, also though, Quinn, JJ Dillon's more generic, and right. all I mean by that is you look at Paul Bear. No, no one was that JJ Dillon. Not taking away from the man himself as a performer. But anyone could be a guy in a suit with a lot of money. 
Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, JJ had his appeal. He I, had his I, appeal. I, I really don't. I hate disparaging him, but there's. I'm not disparaging him. I'm just saying just he was a guy with a lot of money in a suit. There's something he, he was doing that was important Crystal to adding, adding, <laughs> adding to the Four Horsemen, is all I mean. I agree with you, but I'm saying that yeah. he wasn't necessarily irreplaceable. Nick I, Bockwinkle I, could have been that. I look at JJ Dillon as more like a prototype manager. Of who? Like just a style of. Of a of, generic yeah. fucking suited manager. Yeah. Like that, an archetype. Do you like, mean archetype? He's like an archetype, maybe, yeah. Architect? Yeah, archetype. <laughs> he's like a, he's an archetype. He's Art Vandalay, yeah. actually. Anyway, folks, we're going to lock Bearer in at number five. I think that's fair, because as enough. much as I like him, the really good stuff that he did was very brief, mm-hmm. whereas Heyman was very consistent. Yeah. Okay. So, folks, we have updated the list now. It is now time to update for week three. At number one, still the best manager of all time, Jimmy Hart. Very baby, baby, baby. Hey, let us know what you think. Number two, Jim Cornette. Um, nice showing yeah, there. Nice showing. Yeah. Number three, Sherry Martell. Still very impressive for I'm, Sherry. I'm upset a little bit. I'm but. sorry. Number four, Paul Heyman. Yep. Number five, newcomer Paul Bearer. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And number six, yeah, that's good, J.J. <laughs> Dillon. <Hey>. Folks, <laughs> let us know your rankings, but most importantly, let us know why you think that. And you can do that on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. You can email us or join the group. Quinn, when we come back, we are counting down to WrestleMania 5 by doing the go-home show the day before. That's right. It is WWF Superstars, April 1st, 89, and that is coming up right after this. Excuse me? You want my comments about Judgment Day and Raw? Okay. If you really want to hear them. Are you so surprised? Are you really surprised to see Paul Bearer and The Undertaker back together again? Were you surprised when I hit Kane in the back with the chair? He turned his back on me, his father. I took care of him for over 20 years. Nobody else cared about him. That's fine. But Kane, you turned your back for the last time on me. Now it's Paul Bearer and The Undertaker back on the dark side. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. That's WPAN, hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Mike Crockett, Brian Malonis, and Brian Fury. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique. It's quirky. It's greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show, the wrestling podcast about nothing, greetings from Allentown and Book in the Territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here for episode number 165. And we promised, Quinn, that we were going to review the April 1st, 89 WWF Superstars. It's going to be a review. It's going to be a a fun review, I think. Because you got to think, right? This is the day before 
WrestleMania five. Yeah, I mean, what is like Hogan gonna like get revenge on the Macho Man? Get you some know, maybe tune up matches, some pre stuff. Right. Maybe the Macho Man's gonna beat up some goobers. Right? Yeah, maybe uh, the Heart Foundation will be in action. Double trouble, possibly. <laughs> Don't bring up double. Trouble. You never know. <laughs> they're, they're double trouble. So obviously, folks, we've done superstars before. You know what superstars is? It was Quinn, as you love to point out, the A show. Yeah, it's at this the, time, it's where all the stories happen. And Correct. Stuff. You know, all of them. All of the stories, Just, yes. Like this episode, I'm expecting some real plot developments oh, going yeah. into WrestleMania. Yeah, like, last-minute like tie-ups. Yeah, just to, you know, set up Maybe there were some matches that weren't set up by this point. Like, what's that shitty, rugged Ronnie Garvin uh, versus, versus Dino the Bra- great Dino Bravo? Right. I mean, how does that feud get started? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember hearing about that yet. I don't yet. think anyone does. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to take a look at this. Now, obviously, this is the day before WrestleMania 5, which was held in Atlantic City on April 2nd. And a very cheap plug, our Patreon review of that is coming out. Any day now, actually, maybe by tomorrow, uh, even. We'll yeah, have to this check is like with the, the producers. This is like the companion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, maybe you want to listen to this first. Because yes. obviously the episode before, it's it's like a day before it, right? Yeah, this is right before WrestleMania Five. Yeah. We love WWF Superstars. Uh, we've always said it's a very fun, tightly produced show in the 80s because you get... It's very well paced, maybe however many segments there are, yeah, but it's just boom, boom, boom fucking fit in like eight matches or something and you're like what yeah like, right and interviews it's like you just watched a pay-per-view in 45 <laughs> minutes right and vince will usually give his voiceover about how they're at the you know saginaw michigan mm-hmm. dairy farm or whatever it is even you know though, and even I mean, though they're there like three weeks in a row usually right it makes it sound like they aren't <laughs> right so there is a certain charm to superstars and uh, we figured you know what we're in 89 which is a great year for the wf oh great year it is it's a fun year you guys probably like it a lot if you like the wwf if you don't then there's no there's no convincing you crockett people i don't know hey we're Sorry. not going to convince you we're not going to yeah. convert you turn well, it off to, now come to trump plaza yeah like, it's gonna be great yeah in one day from this show trump yeah, plaza that's gonna, right you're gonna see it mm-hmm. right so i don't really we don't need much more background on super shows because we all know what it is already it's not like we're doing you know bob morton's you know the, outlaw the, territory uh, the successor to heavyweight and championship wrestling yada 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 yes, exactly. as we've explained before continued on as the a show throughout yeah. 1993 raw started superstar stayed on it to 96 and we moved to the usa network then and then Got no one the cared about it boy guy singing the song <laughs> Brad and, Hart, and, uh, yeah. Under- yeah, that, All that thing. Shit. it's that show and gorilla still did commentary on it up to like 98 or 9 in well the- it's important <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got a man the fort i mean with Ray Rougeau. Like that That's hilarious. when you know superstars didn't matter. Yeah. Gorilla and Ray. Yeah. Hi, Gorilla. And it's like uh, only in like Scandinavia or something like on some weird channel. Parts of Greenland. Yeah. Uh, so uh, speaking of Ray Rougeau, he was at WrestleMania 5, so maybe we'll get to see him today. Yeah. Well, but, maybe on comp. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, maybe on commentary. <laughs> how this guy works here forever. He's still there, folks. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, without any further ado. Let's get into WWF Superstars again, April 1st, 1989, and we open with our classic, the WWF, what the world is watching. Yeah, you know, the Canyon.midi, you know, what we're used to after reviewing all those pay-per-views. Yeah, with the same intro. And then we get the classic Superstars intro with the film strip and the bass, you know. Yeah, you know, the Nintendo music mm-hmm. opening, the movie reel with too much Hulk on it. <laughs> a lot of Hulk. Superstars of wrestling. And, yeah. Uh, sorry, we can't say that because Albert, Albert Patterson. Patterson or whatever. Exactly. Uh, we're joined, of course, by the host of Superstars by this point, Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura, who are, quote unquote, at the casino in Trump Plaza. I'm Vince McMahon, along with Jesse Body Ventura. There is excitement in the air here in Atlantic City. Ugh, it's the worst green screen possible. There's like 
fake slot machine noises. It's real. Like, like literally, you could tell they just had someone in, in like Studio B drop a bunch of quarters, <laughs> like drop a bunch of quarters on the ground. So like it seemed like you know what I mean, and just like put a, mic, put a mic on it. Like, <laughs> it's really that. It's so awful. Jesse, and, we're gonna stand in front of here, and Howard Finkel is gonna drop coins. Okay, but, yeah. And by the way, I have to also just add here. You know, they're in the casino. I wonder if they have the ring set up at Trump Plaza. There's going to be some oh, um, right. prelim matches, right? Maybe Mean Gene will be over there or something right, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. I mean, they, they have to have it set up a day before, you would think, right? You're you not think, setting you think it up Trump would let them in the it's day the before, rings, right? the, the most tremendous yeah. rings. Yeah, yeah. The, best, the best boards on it with exactly. the ring. Jesse has a black Navy SEALs t-shirt and hat. And Vince has a classic powder blue suit, of course. Jesse says McMahon <laughs> lost his shorts at the crap table. Mm-hmm. Maybe he crapped his shorts at the table. <laughs> I think that's the joke he was going for. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. Uh, Vince now throws to a recap from the Royal Rumble 89 pose down. That's, of course... Uh, warrior and rick rude and we were joined where gorilla on commentary is like he's the hands down winner and jesse's all shut up monsoon nobody won nothing yet hands down winner you're looking at him right shut here. up monsoon oh, nobody sorry. won nothing yet but quinn it is the muscular montage right yeah that oh oh, <laughs> oh he oh, oh ah and you know what happens here bobby heenan like the muscle juice and warriors juice or whatever it is yeah rude attacks warrior with the bar it's honestly kind of a rather vicious beatdown for 89 a gorilla of course is outraged as we now fade to a face-to-face podium debate that i've never seen yeah and thankfully more clips of their feud unlike wrestlemania 5 <laughs> yeah. in that review we we actually note they're like they show, like, just that goo face thing, and that's yeah. it. Like <laughs> the goo face. Yeah, that's yeah, all we th- get. On this show, at least they're telling us what else happened right. in this thing. I've never seen this face-to-face debate. It's like on the interview platform on Superstars. Rude says WrestleMania Five will be the day the Ultimate Warrior crumbles. What like Ludwig, Ludwig? Yeah. <laughs> This building is crumbling like America is crumbling. And then a shirtless Rude poses before Warrior's music hits. Warrior runs out to the podium. Rude knocks one over while fleeing the scene. Warrior picks up a podium, slams it down, gets a huge pop, by the way. And now Vince is all like, let's hear from these fucks. Like, you, you, know, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Let's hear now from both the challenger and the champion. So we throw to a horrible green screen. Where Rick Rude with the warrior on the front of his tights. Oh, hey. Ooh, hello there. Forbearing. You <laughs> yeah, know? Very. Uh, Maybe it's the ones from WrestleMania 5 just backwards. Yeah. They didn't want to expose the WF <laughs> intercontinental belt on uh-huh, there. Maybe. He says this won't be a super pose down and the crowd won't decide. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> It's a wrestling it's match. A match. We know that. They think that's what they signed. They? He was there for the contracts. <laughs> so Root says up front, meaning on his dick. Yeah, yeah the warrior is the odds on favorite. But in the end, and then he turns around to show his ass right. where he is on his own tights. Clever, isn't yeah. it? Very clever. Yeah. Uh, cut to the warrior now in front of a much better green screen. Uh, he says Rude is a nervous wreck. And the warrior says he's maybe going to jump off the tallest building in the world to get run over by lawnmowers. Something about raging this elephants. This was amazing. <laughs> Should I jump off the tallest building in the world? Should I lay on the lawn and let him run over me with lawnmowers? Should I go to Africa and let him trouble me with raging elephants? Well, he is insane. His yeah. promos were insane. What lawnmowers on your face or <laughs> yeah. whatever he said. Yeah. What? Well, you know, he's very. He, maybe the he was thinking of the lawnmower man. Didn't that come out in 1989? Around you know, then. I need. I think. I, I think, think we did. need to find out now. Yeah. Okay. Literally right now. Okay. Because click, if we click, don't. Click. 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 Yeah. Dial. Hang. On, I gotta dial up on the internet. Hang right. on. Right. Uh, okay, I'm dialed up. No, it was actually 1992. Oh, okay. Ah, fuck. I thought it was 1989. It's a good guess, Well, Gwen. then Warrior, maybe they got the idea from him. Lawnmower Man. Influential. Yeah. 
You know what, though? I'm ready to see this match now. These guys don't like each I other. Am. They have the muscle pose down and all that stuff. It should be interesting. should be interesting. We cut now to a Howard Finkel voiceover promo. Oh, WrestleMania 5. And uh, you can see it, Quinn, on a pay-per-view basis. Whatever that means. What does that mean? <laughs> they were still pushing that. Like The basis, basis that what you is- watch it on is that you pay per viewing. <laughs> Oh, I'm not God, kidding. Why does it need to be laid out like that? I, I don't like as a kid. I didn't know. I knew what they meant by pay per view basis. Right. I'm like, why are they saying pay per view basis? It was like, like who talks like that? No one. Yeah. that's the thing. Only people you in get wrestling. Pay per view. That's it. I don't say I get it on pay per view basis. Wrestling's always had the weird jargon. Building momentum for this match. Medical facility. Back area. I suppose. Vince McMahon has his own like idiosyncratic little like jargon and slang. And someone needs to do a glossary one of these so, days. I, I was just gonna say there really should be like a dictionary of WF terms like just like stuff that only they say championship like, meaning belt like you really, got hit with the championship it really is its own language it is and it's like yeah. weird it's gotten worse like, over the say years belt before like 2000 or <laughs> yeah. whatever the fucking rules are like so that would have to be in the glossary belt is like it's archaic yeah it's 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 ancient wf english <laughs> yeah, or whatever what, what? Yo, old English. Why old WF English. Why did they change that? I don't know. <laughs> Why can't you say belt? No, but you know what's weird is I think they like reinstated belt again. They might have. Yeah, like I think they say it sometimes you because you like, oh, they'll be like, if if you say, you have to say specifically, of, he hit him with the belt like itself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess if he didn't hit him with the center part, if he hit him with the strap of the belt, it's a belt. <laughs> But if you hit him with the gold plating, it's, yeah, the, then championship. Then it's the championship. And yeah. then you remember, you couldn't say wrestling for a while. I don't yeah. know if you can. Remember, you can't. It's like compete, perform, contest. Now, is NXT, re- are they allowed to say wrestling yes, on I NXT? Think, I think because they, that's wrestling, I, I guess. Like, But WF, that's not. Or WE, whatever they call themselves and, nowadays. And they're not wrestlers. Yeah. Superstars. Sports entertainers. Yes, and that too. Anyway, Howard Finkel tells us that you can see uh, this pay-per-view basis on the following cable providers. Okay. Cable TV Montgomery. I don't Jones have Cable. Okay, don't have that either. Simmons of St. Mary. Don't know. What? <laughs> what is this? That's like a church. Yeah. Cable TV Arlington. Mm-hmm. Inwood TV Cable. Can I just say how weird it is that this is a Virginia feed? <laughs> yeah, the like, rare. When do we ever get that when we watch all this stuff? <laughs> we t- <laughs> that is bizarre. All I know about Virginia feed is it's usually a uh, Wonder Bread and Miracle Whip. Ah, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Well, uh, I will say this about it. What's weird is you would expect no offense, the Virginia but... feed would be Crockett stuff, not, yeah, you know what I mean? We're like, they don't give a shit about this. No, we're getting down to the <laughs> like, end territory. Who the fuck is Rick Rude? <laughs> like, I thought he was like in the WCW or whatever. Like, why is he talking about this Ultimate Warrior guy? Who's <laughs> he? Why, yeah, why is the Blade Runner guy here? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, we cut now to Saturday Night's main event from January, where the Red Rooster Terry Taylor is uh, attempting to put... (laughs) I can't can't believe you brought this up. I didn't even cover this. His finisher. Yeah. The cock of the walk, which is the sharpshooter. Yes, it's 100% the sharpshooter. I saw him do it on a Superstars, like, earlier. The cock of the walk. What does that mean? (sighs) He's trying to put it on Tito Santana, but he can't. He sucks so much. Red Rooster's horrible. He's still a heel here, for the record, folks, but Bobby, of course, is all pissy, and they're showing him, like, much more than they normally would. He's all mic'd up, too. Yeah, he's mic'd up. He's all pissy at ringside, because Rooster sucks. Clothesline by Santana sends Rooster to the outside. Bobby berates Taylor for being terrible. I don't blame him. <laughs> he Honestly, like, if you're with Bobby Heenan right, Tito Santana's like a stepping stone. He's not like... Right, right. Know, not that I'm saying the rooster is better than Tito Santana, because he clearly isn't. No. But 
you know, Bobby's not within his, he, he's correct. Like, yeah. he shouldn't have trouble here. <laughs> like, you know, now, like, that's how kayfabe works. If you're, like, linked to someone, you gain, like, abilities or something. Right, no, that's true. You gain abilities. It's like, it's like he's a Pokemon, and he, like, got a good trainer, so now he can do all those fucking, like, special attacks, but he just keeps hitting the fucking attack, just the slash thing or whatever. He, he sucks. He's like a Pidgey or whatever. You heard it here yeah. first. Uh, Bobby physically tosses Rooster into the ring, so Tito hits a Paquito package for the win there. I gotta also note the referee was very oddly a young Bill Alfonso. I didn't even notice. Very yeah. rare appearance there in 89. What, did he even look like Bill Alfonso? Yeah, I didn't, I, like it, it was like he was camouflaged or something. What if it isn't him it. and Richard's like, you know, that wasn't Bill Alfonso, mate. <laughs> we'll, we'll hear was, about uh, it on the boards. John Denver or yeah. something. Uh, he even hops on the ring apron, screams at Rooster. He's like, what the hell are you doing? To be fair, Rooster does have no chance against I Tito. Know. Like I said, he should, <laughs> but, he but he doesn't you because know? he's the Red Rooster. <laughs> Seriously, he's Pidgey. He's fucking Pidgey. Ugh. Big slap by Bobby. And of course, he turns his back on the rooster. When he turns around, we get the lamest yell ever by Terry Taylor. He's like, You want some of me? <laughs> the lamest shit what is ever. He, that kid from Turtles or whatever. Yeah. Got any cigarettes? Got any cigarettes? Yeah, uh, that fucking kid. Rooster punches Bobby a few times. Of course, Bobby sells it awesomely. Cross corner bump by the brain brain and then we now throw to the primetime wrestling episode yes yeah this is good where the rooster and bobby they kind of shake hands They're like you know let's just move on with our lives right, fuck yeah. it i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry i tried you suck yeah, yeah and, but you just suck yeah until bobby slaps the rooster and then suddenly the brooklyn brawler appears <laughs> with a stool and knocks down not only terry taylor but also gorilla monsoon forget it forget it not very often he apologizes Okay. Forget, okay. Oh, what? Why are you doing that? Doing nothing. Why? Why? Why would you do that? I love this incident so much because I don't think they show this here. But Gorilla like took a bump. Mm-hmm. Like they showed the Gorilla part. They right? show that but the after part. Like Bobby like <laughs> feels bad. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, he's like Gorilla was never supposed to be involved. <laughs> yeah. Like I wish him the best. Or yeah. like he's, he's like, like all he, sad. He like feels all bad about it. Like the when rare. they come back from break, and he's like apologizing for it. But, and I, if I recall, the episode after doesn't like Gorilla really like you. Gorilla know, lays like, into him. Like, like what's wrong with you? Like, As the show hour, starts, yeah, it's like for like an hour and a half <laughs> yes. straight. It's like, amazing. It's amazing, bro then beats the shit out of Terry Taylor, including slamming him on that cabinet. Bobby has this awesome line I never noticed. He's like, here's your hat. Don't forget your hat to the brawler. <laughs> here's your hat. Don't forget your hat. It's funny. Well, he can't. He <laughs> needs it. it. Makes him a brawler. Yeah. Uh, we get clips now of the rooster pinning the Brooklyn brawler on the March 11th, 89 Saturday Night's Main event. seems like some crap yeah, right hell. there. Yeah. And he also has a stupid hair now. All uh, of a sudden, hi, I'm a face. Cock yeah. doodle do. <laughs> well, it's got to <laughs> appeal to the kids. What, it's gonna be what the, kids? The kids are going to get that haircut, Joe. <laughs> you know you, what kids has a haircut the got any cigarettes you, kid yeah could you imagine in 1989 of all their kids like they went to school the teacher's like why does your hair look stupid well the red rooster wears it this way it's like well he's a face and, like the <laughs> teacher's thinks, oh okay. oh okay yeah he's a good guy his finisher is the cock of the wall uh, yeah of course every, go to the principal's office yeah, bobby every single kid was just clamoring for the red rooster and the cock of the wall <laughs> sucked <laughs> like seriously like i'm describing this stuff as if it could be a thing but it can't be no, because he was... he's the fucking red rooster he's pidgey not even pidgey odo whatever the other pidgeot all those evil he stinks he's horrible he never got to the next form horrible <laughs> so bobby hops in the ring slowly but brawler attacks from behind 
And they double-team the rooster with good. synchronized stomps. Very good. Meanwhile, we get a uh, clip here of the Hart Foundation f- facing double trouble on the January 7th, 89 Superstars. And at this point, hold on. Wait, is this all recaps? Is there, is, is there <laughs> so any, far. Is there anything on this show? <laughs> so far, we're just recapping uh, feuds, right? Really? I guess so. Okay. Also, well, maybe there'll be something, right? Hopefully. Maybe uh, the last match. Yeah, right. Like yeah. One, one or two matches. Yeah, uh, obviously. In case you don't know, folks, Double Trouble is like the name that Jimmy Hart coined for Valentine and Hammer right. before they were Rhythm and Blues. Right. So the way I look at it is they're Double Trouble when Greg Valentine still looked like a soccer mom or whatever right. with, the, with the blonde hair. Yeah, gym you know, teacher. Gym teacher, lunch lady or whatever. <laughs> um, but And then when he got the brown hair or black hair, whatever yeah, you want to call like it. Yeah, Elvis, if when you ask Mary Tyler Moore. Yes, Elvis lookalike. Um, then they were Rhythm and Blues. Right. Obviously. But, but until then, they're double trouble. Double trouble, it's baby. It's real. Jimmy Hart says that in a promo. It's, it is 100% real. <laughs> it's double trouble, baby. I guess maybe Gorilla refused to call them that. <laughs> Gorilla just doesn't even acknowledge <laughs> no, it ever. Ever. Uh, apparently, though, this WrestleMania match that we have between Double Trouble and the Hart Foundation is a rematch from this probably randomly booked Superstars match three months earlier. They're yeah. trying to like sell it as a rematch, but clearly it's just a match they did. It's like horning it in here. Like really, it's... This they, is not a thing. They needed something for each team to do. That's right, all it yeah. is, right? Now there is 300 matches. They gotta fill, <laughs> true. They gotta fill all four hours or whatever at <laughs> WrestleMania, so... So Brett breaks up a figure four by Valentine on the anvil, but Jimmy Hart comes in to distract. Honky nails Brett with the guitar for the DQ. You know, I thought I took a good guitar bump. You know, I get the best DQs. <laughs> in, you know how he is. Really struck an E chord with me. Uh, <laughs> the heels get the hell out of there, though, while Anvil tends to Brett. What a waste, but at least their match at Mania is pretty decent. It is, actually. Yeah, yep. It's not. I'm not even saying that, like, sarcastically. It's, no, it's actually it's pretty good. good. Stay tuned. Yep, stay tuned if you want. Now it's time to hear from Ted DiBiase with his million dollar belt. Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase. Right. Uh, he claims that he's not getting a haircut. Okay. And somehow into all of this, he shoehorns a reference to the stock market crash of 1929. That's what everyone <laughs> remembers. What is he? Gorilla? Yeah. It's going to be like Black Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> of course you do, Monsoon. Yeah. Uh, Beefcake says he's fighting for all of the innocent people DiBiase has picked on. You know, like Rob Van Dam and right. all them. <laughs> Kid with the basketball. <laughs> yeah, the basketball. All, all that. <laughs> The, the kids in, at the pool. Yeah, the kids in the pool that Virgil yells at. Yeah. And Brutus says, just look at the beef. He's ready for action. Just look at the beef. Look at the beef. He actually <laughs> said that. Look at the... What is he, Claire Peller? <laughs> like, what the fuck? But she wanders in. Where's the beef? <laughs> Finally got my moment I got on WF. Like, <laughs> just still, still, like, seeking it out. Her WrestleMania <laughs> moment. It's amazing. I wish... Oh, my God. I wish that there was, like, a constant joke at every single WrestleMania that Claire is, like, gonna get her, like, WrestleMania <laughs> even, like... After Wouldn't she be dead. like 130? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just, <laughs> it's like Curtis Axel still being in that one Royal Rumble. It's like they have Claire Peller lookalikes like play her every. Like she's like in the background. Like they'll make they should retcon all the footage and they should place her in the background of like every like fucking WrestleMania. Like just like like somewhere like off to the side, completely inconsequential. Like WrestleMania 11, she's like in the background when like the guy from NYP Blues there or something. Like she's just like in the fucking corner or something. She's like, where's the beef? But like not with the mic. She keeps like fucking it up. Until one day at like WrestleMania 50, she says it into the mic. I good gimmick. <laughs> That's a yeah, good, great, good one. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania 100. We're waiting for it. Hard cut now to Jimmy Hart and the Rougeau brothers. Jimmy says the Rougeaus are undefeated. I don't know what he's talking about. They're not. Jacques says he doesn't like the Bushwhackers, Foreigners, or 
coming. Take all of our American money away. (laughs) And all three say in unison that the Bushwhackers will have to whack, 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 whack. Their way back, and then we cut. Yeah, don't come back. (laughs) Then we cut to the bushwhackers who you know do their usual. Whoa, yay! That's like the whole fucking match. (laughs) It's so typical. Oh, and they also say ragu sisters because you know. I like the Bushwhackers, though, for the record. Like, I think we were talking somewhere recently. The older I get, the more I like them. Yeah, you realize it when you're older because you're like, oh, they're like the piss break, but they're actually pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, they're like, fine. It's like, you, you can do both. You can kind of like, you can get like more popcorn or something without having to like pause these long ass yeah. pay-per-views. It's, and, right. like, and then you can also like hear them, whoa, yeah, and you kind of get like a chuckle while you're like the popcorn's popping. Right, and they just and stomp the around. Yeah. They're fine. Yeah. You're in the other room, okay, so you're not close to your kitchen. Yeah, but their TV. gags are, are with audio because they just yell a lot so True. you can just hear it That's you know you don't have to watch it unless it's that one time when he touches uh, Ray's balls or yeah. whatever stay tuned let's not talk about no. that back to Howard Finkel uh, and in case you're wondering you can also see this shit not only on a pay-per-view basis but on closed circuit yeah order this bullshit or watch it at the college field house <laughs> Like, what? Yeah, that's where I'm going. Uh, it starts at 4 o'clock now. That's a start time for a WrestleMania. Great start time. <laughs> really, seriously. I know you, o- you always emphasize when the start times were good, and th- this is a good one. 4 is a good one, because shit's over by 8. I really believe that they could get away with starting WrestleMania now at 4, because it would just end at, like, 11 anyway. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, instead yeah, of, like, rate. 1... Like now when right. it ends, like yeah, just bump it up a little. Yeah, just make it ele- make it end at eleven. Still, just start at four. Kids have to go to school the next day. Yeah, they have to go to work they the next even day. Be up till eleven. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, ten. You know, is when you start to tuck them in. But, you know, at least the school, the elementary school children. Just saying. For more on parenting tips with Michael Quinn, stay tuned for next week's episode. What, what is the average bedtime nowadays for uh, elementary school kids? Folks, those of you with uh, children under the age of 12, maybe between yeah. the age of 7 and 12, let us know what time they go to sleep. <laughs> Has there been any inflation since when we were kids? We don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, you know, It's exactly. been over 20 years for hey, us. You know there's inflation, right? So, I, it's, so it goes down. I in, suppose in case, so, right? right? It's deflation. It's deflation, yes. Right. Let's cut to Sean Mooney, who's uh, doing a promo for the Blue Blazer on the Stridex Good Wrestler of the Week or whatever. Hey, Stridex says so. <laughs> yeah, they like they, him. They say he's good. <laughs> how does, okay, how does the Blue Blazer, what, how is he a good person for, like, pimple cream? He doesn't have face, he's got a mask well, they on. they don't have to have the symptoms of what the sponsor yeah, is. Yeah, but you would want to see Pimply Owen, like, no, oh, I don't. They're, oh, they're gone now or whatever. He can't show you. What is he going to put on his fucking eyeballs? Like, I don't understand. Like, but it's not that he has to endorse the product. Yeah, but he is endorsing the product. He's the Stridex wrestler of good or whatever. They're endorsing him. Yeah, I understand that. But why would you endorse him if he wasn't going to put over your shit? I'm just saying. Okay. Is it just like on his hands or something? Like I, he has the he has the smoothest hands you could imagine. He's the worst pimple product salesman you could imagine. I'm just saying. Fair. Like Dino Bravo or something. His face isn't pretty. I'm just saying. All those cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, now we see the October 29th, 88, Saturday Night's Main Event, where the business casual Andre the Giant is revealed for the first time to be afraid of snakes. You know, we got lots of, boss, snakes! <laughs> so silly. I know, it really yeah. is. Meanwhile, Jake dangles his member in front of the giant. <clears throat> oh, boy. Uh, Jake finally tosses Damien on Andre. Of course, he freaks out. Bobby can even do nothing about it, as apparently Andre has a heart attack. We also have a line from Vince here. Down to the crotch area. <laughs> Shut up. Down to the crotch area. Are there matches on this <laughs> shit? Like, where are the matches? 
I, I know this already. We're like halfway through this. God, what the fuck? <laughs> well, now we have to clip to the Royal Rumble. What? Where Jake ran in with Damien. Andre got the hell out of there, which is like the fastest he's moved since 85. Right. He runs out of there. Then on a face-to-face debate, John Studd stood there stupidly in his bathrobe. Why, was he, called out why was he fucking here? Why is he here? He did nothing. He won that Royal Rumble. He did. His, here's his reward. He gets to like ref a fucking match <laughs> at WrestleMania. It's so good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so Andre has like his season seven Kramer coat on, and yeah, he, he tells definitely. Jake he wants to tell Jake one thing: WrestleMania will be a lifetime. You put your fit in the ring. Was he even speaking English? Yeah, I speak all the languages. Because I literally didn't know what he said there. I, all the languages. I find it amazing that you were able to decipher that. What do you got? A Rosetta Stone in your house? <laughs> yeah, Rosati Stone. Yeah, Rosati Sister Stone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake grabs Damien, so Andre holds up the podium in self defense, which is funny. And Vince is like, "No, Jake, that's not right. Please, no." Andre just saunters away, stud, like you said, useless. Yeah. And now Vince throws to comments from these guys, including Big John. Stuff. Yeah, great. Yeah, I don't want to hear. Why is he? He's not doing anything. He didn't even do anything there. Why are they letting him talk? He never could talk anyway. Yeah. Green screen with Jake where he says that all the talk has to stop this Sunday. Yeah, I think it should stop now and we can get to the matches on this show. Fair. Yeah. Jake is like, we had to fucking employ John Studd for this shit. That's yeah. how intense it is. Or that's how much it doesn't matter. That's how shitty it yeah. is. He says, Andre has been a legend, but the only way to become a legend is to take one out. I guess he's like proto-Randy Orton here, you know? Listen, considering how well Jake did in this match without his snake, I'm not sure why he wanted this fucking shit. Like, Spoiler, again, he gets his ass kicked. Yeah, again, stay tuned for the review. It doesn't really turn out very well for him without no, the snake. No, with Without the snake. Without the snake, yeah. right. Now we cut to Bobby and Andre. The brain says he's had enough of snakes and enough of Big John Stud. Andre, again, incomprehensible. And I look, son, Jake, I've been whistling for quite a while. I never know how match. He lost at WrestleMania 3. What is he talking about? He doesn't about? recognize it's like that. Recently. Like, it's not, it's not, like, old. Uh, he doesn't like, personally recognize that. It's not like that. some match he no, can, he, like, he just say that happened, like, you know, in Puerto Rico in 1972. Like, <laughs> this is, like, two years ago. Not even two years ago. He didn't lose in his own mind, Quinn. He's a it liar. <laughs> You're a liar! As Gorilla would say. <laughs> so now John Stern here cuts a useless promo about... I'll be watching both of them in WrestleMania 5. <laughs> also, I need to mention, Stud was in, like, the Mega Man Boss Select Center. Like, he literally, like, his background looked like it was, like, like, you know, like, yeah. with the little, with the little boxes yeah, and you pick the guy. That? Of course John Stud was going to be watching them at WrestleMania 5. That's his fucking job. Right. <laughs> I'll be watching you. Yeah, like, you're the ref. That's what you're supposed to do, yeah, dummy. It really is his job. It's true. <laughs> anyway, more Howard Finkel. Order this shit on a pay-per-view basis. Just do it, asshole. <laughs> like, seriously, order the fucking show. Why? Why, Just, are, you why, not, are, why you? are you not doing why it? Why haven't you ordered it yet? You've been watching this crap for 35 minutes. We're not going to give you a match until you order it. Maybe the consequence, maybe we're not getting anything is because they didn't get enough phone calls in the middle. Right? So they're just holding off on that. I mean, it is live, right? I mean, Super Show, yeah. They're in the casino. The, oh, yeah. the ring is set up in the plaza, mm-hmm. you know. And it's 10 a.m. Yeah. or whenever this airs. <laughs> everyone's there. Everyone's there. Yeah. Well, actually. <laughs> Imagine, sadly, like everyone's waiting in the Trump Plaza for the Superstars matches, and they're like... <laughs> Where's the matches? They're like, they see Vince and Jesse up like near the slot machines, and they're like, are, when, is the, when are the people coming out? Is the Hulk going to be here? Yeah, where's the Hulk? Yeah. <laughs> where's the Hulk? Exactly. Where's I'm, just, I'm just envisioning the empty, like, 
Trump Plaza with, but just filled with people, but no wrestlers. I like how you said the Hulk because that's how yeah. people would talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Hulk. Who's gonna win the Macho Man Hulk? The Hulk. The Hulk. Well, yeah, Hulk Hogan. Uh, cut to the February third, eighty nine, on the main event where Liz was ringside. We all know this story, right? For the powers, the Mega Powers versus the Twin Towers. We know the bump. Akeem tosses Savage right onto Liz. One of the best bumps I think she could have possibly ever taken. Awesome. Savage is half dead. So is Liz. So Hogan runs over to check on them both. For the mm-hmm. record, he does. Mm-hmm. Savage I'm gets keeping to- an eye on him, Joe. No, you should. It's okay. Savage gets to his feet on his own power. So Hogan's sending to Liz, who is not awake and not under her own power. Right. But of course, Savage has a major issue with it. As if Hogan did anything wrong. Come on. Come on. He's too touchy. What do you mean touchy? Like, not even noticing, like, Savage with all his, like, slobbering. Like, <laughs> like Hulk is a... Hey, oh, my God, Savage. Miss Elizabeth. Like, and... Yeah, but I mean, like... Women and children first, Quinn. <sighs> I'm just saying. He didn't do anything wrong. He's like, oh, our manager got hurt. I'm going to check on saying, her. What a oh, jerk. They're like brother. He, they're his brother and sister, right? He says this all the time. <laughs> You'd think he would tend to both of them. He would care he equally. But wouldn't he care equally about both? But Joe? he saw that Savage was okay and was getting up. Yeah, What's he supposed that, to do? I get that, but why isn't he like, come on, Randy, help me? Or he's not even like... He's well, he not doesn't even, ask for Savage's help. He, no. He's not including he him at all. He does, like, he's okay, just, you're right. He just wants to give her fucking mouth-to-mouth or whatever. Possibly. He's the luster. <laughs> just saying. Chump Hogan. Yeah. Akeem, of course, capitalizes on this whole thing by dragging Savage right back into the ring. Yeah, Hulk doesn't even notice that <laughs> shit, by the way. So, so he's like, ah, ah. So yeah. he has no choice, of course, but to carry Liz to the back as Jesse is calling her useless. Yeah, leave his partner and not call the paramedics <laughs> over. Great idea, Hulk. Like, literally, they're in an arena where wrestling occurs. Injuries happen. There's paramedics in the fucking place. Why doesn't he just motion? Because he has to go wrestle. Like he's like, there's professionals who do this for a living. That's like, true. Like they, okay, they, I'll give they you can that. handle Miss Elizabeth being hurt while the Mega Powers fight off these evil fat guys. Like you know what I mean? Fair. Yeah. Meanwhile, the towers are just kicking Savage's ass. Right. And then a post-production Vince, not the commentary Vince, butts in to clarify. That oh, Hogan crap. only left after ensuring Savage was okay. Bullshit. The Hulkster now on the outside of the ring with Elizabeth in his arms, making sure that she's going to be all right, taking her back for first aid treatment only after he was certain that the Macho Man was doing okay. I love how they edited that in. in they, they edited it in because they like have to make it not look <laughs> yep. bad. Yep, you're right. Uh, Randy watches Hogan bring Liz to a stretcher into the back. Remember from the ring, Savage is like, you doing? He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like you why are you though? leaving? Like, the Savage character to me is like, hey, they got this shit. Can you help me? What the fuck? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I, because the Savage character is all about winning matches. That's what I mean by that. Well, yeah, he, he yeah, is. You know what I'm saying? He does not like to lose. Exactly. Neither so, does Hogan, though. So it's like, it's like, listen, there's like people here that do this for a, you can't just, it was an accident. We get it. Let them help. Maybe. Uh, as we go backstage, this is a great scene where Hogan's like walking back with the stretcher and all them. Uh, with you can, the paramedics? With the paramedics. Well, he's make, checking on her. <sighs> you can see the Hearth Foundation caught in the back of the frame yeah, for me, which is kind of cool. I've always noticed that. Yeah. yeah they're just kind of there. Now, post-production Vince wanders in again, saying Savage was doing quite well as we see the towers literally beating the hell out of him. <laughs> recap is so long, by the way. Like, this is it's, it's much longer than any recap of this I've seen. Yeah, this is really long. Really giving me hope for matches on this show. Yeah, come on now. Uh, we go back to the first aid room where Hogan campaigns for an Emmy with his acting. His acting stinks. Like, it's bad. Oh, God. Oh, oh, oh God. God. Randy didn't oh, mean it. Randy. Oh, Randy didn't mean it. God, please. Elizabeth. Oh, God, she's breathing, Elizabeth. 
please, please. Oh, Randy didn't mean it. I swear he didn't. Why would Liz even think that to begin yeah. with? Liz is all like, what the fuck? Go help Savage, you idiot. Like, she's, she basically says <laughs> it's that. It's true. She's like, you're a dumbass. Like, you know, you just left him there. Like, he, if, Randy? he might get more hurt than she does. <laughs> Beat up by a fucking fake cop and a fat guy. Like, I'm just saying. Once Hogan sees Liz is okay, or once she scolds once him, she essentially. Once she tells him to get the hell out of there. He does. He, yeah. he huffs out like a Doberman, cheers on Savage to a huge pop. He looks like a stupid idiot. <laughs> yeah, that. He just, like, jogs out. But it's the genius of the Terry Bollea, the, the person that performed that, because he's so melodramatic yeah. that you can't help but like watch him you know what yeah. i'm saying like, well yeah as a performer so stupid yeah, like, but he, you know he knows what he's doing the, he the look, real person he literally looks like a big puppy like, yeah that's just, what i mean he's like what what and then like it's like a big fucking yeah big fucking dog it's great though yeah. uh meanwhile boss man's shirt is all fucked up and sweaty like the untucked just horrible <laughs> i love that like extra fat <laughs> yeah here. it's good akeem uh comes in as jesse blames the whole entire thing on elizabeth well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. Vince gets a little mad about it. What are you talking about, Jesse? You know, the usual thing. Yeah. Vince's outrage. Uh, we get a double backbreaker by the towers, but a key falls out of the ring on a splash attempt. That's that kind of famous bump. I, is he, this fake? I never <laughs> understand this. The way he lands looks like it's real, but yeah. it's so convenient because as he's doing that, Bossman misses his right. splash. I've always been, like, torn. It's right. like a keen, like intentionally went through the ropes. If that was or, a planned bump. Or he's just so fat that he, like, the rope below him, like, gave way. Well, well, like, you know, that's what it looks like. Well, he hit the ropes the same time Boss Man did, right, so they exactly. were open. Yeah. I just had a theory, really, like, just now. When Liz took that bump, that was on the exact same side of the ring. Right. I bet they put extra padding there for her under the mats, and I bet Akeem uh, capitalized on that by taking that bump. So he could fall through all the way to the floor. Because he falls awkwardly, but you don't see all of it, so right. who knows what it really looked like. You don't Maybe. see, like, a good view. Maybe there was extra padding, so there's... extra padding? I mean, it's For already, Liz? It's already... What I'm saying is it's already fairly padded. No, it's no. like the big blue mat. I like, bet they, they did something to make it even better. I guarantee what is you. What, a fucking mattress underneath? I don't know what they did. I'm just guessing, Quinn. <laughs> I don't know. Savage heads up with a beautiful double axe and then tosses Bossman out as well. A king comes back in, but he gets thrown right back out. So Savage goes right over to Hogan. Not to make the tag, no. To slap him and leave. Well, this is good, but you know what? Actually, he does make the tag. Well, he, he does. tags, yeah. then slaps, it's- which I always, I always, I never pointed this out to anybody, but I love that detail, the fact that he intentionally makes sure first <laughs> yeah. that he's not legal <laughs> yeah, anymore so and leave. then get the fuck out of here. And yep. then he slaps him in the fucking face. That's true. You're right. It's good. Uh, big heat for that, of course. Meanwhile, Bossman attacks Hogan. The towers beat him up for a bit. Vince and Jesse are, are, of course, bickering as Savage starts to leave to big booze. Jesse justifies Savage by saying you never leave your partner, and Hogan left first, which is true. Right. True. Savage finally takes his belt and gets the hell out of there while Hogan's getting double teamed. Of course, Hogan still won because, you know, 1989. They can't even have him take this loss. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> yes. he's somehow able to find the time <laughs> to argue with Randy Savage during the match. While he was winning, it's such shit. <laughs> it's like, true. It's such garbage. He's like multitasking. He's like literally like, you stink, Randy Savage, punch, punch, punch to boss man. And it's like, what the hell? Like, he's like, it's he's invincible and it's like so frustrating. Like, this is, to me, that like, this is the time where it starts where he's like obnoxiously invincible. Like, he's, yeah, it's right like, here. It's like not even like reasonable anymore. It's right around here. You're like, right. To me, 
if there's any time for Hogan to take a loss so that you have sympathy for him, it's here. Like, he completely, like, they just destroy his He doesn't ass. lose any credibility right, by getting double teamed like, by you could even 800 have, pounds of people. Yeah, you could literally have, like, Akeem do the splash, then boss man right. slam. Maybe they even do it twice just for good measure. Right. Like, the whole thing. Yeah, you like, don't lose much that way. Exactly. But, but, like, just know. to prove, like, okay, yeah, it took a lot of firepower to beat Hulk Hogan. Plus, but, Savage turned on him, so he's right. upset, you know, exactly. a lot of There's things. There's so many reasons why he should have lost here. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we go back to the medical room now where Hogan and Savage are face-to-face. Macho Man accuses Hogan of being jealous while Hogan tries to reason with him. And Elizabeth is all, stop, as Savage is shoving Hogan. Hogan keeps insisting that Savage is wrong. And, of course, Macho Man with the, those eyes lost Elizabeth. Hogan asks Liz, try and talk some sense into him. But Savage attacks with the belt in a great it's visual. so good. It's right? so good. The way he, like, leaps with the belt. Hogan actually knocks over a bunch of crap as Savage is just beating his ass. Oh, Randy! Like, literally, this is the <laughs> moment yeah this is where it's from yeah liz gets off the gurney and checks on hogan so mm-hmm. savage tosses her across the room and vince is like somebody stop so, that idiot okay to be fair i just want to put it out there Ogden, just so we utah. don't make randy savage utah he at first said oh i'll squash both of you right yes he and did. then he like relented and then he's like get out of the way and then he like threw her away i'm just saying so he didn't he could have like splattered her he threw her yeah. It's not nice. No, the throwing it's wasn't good. He should have been more lighter. Just say, like, hey, get it, you know, like, whatever. What, what, nudge her out of the way? Yeah, kind of like, could you, could just, scoot, it, just scoot a little bit. <laughs> like, this way. maybe hit Hogan in the leg. I don't know, just like a very, like, nice, like... Oh, a nice beat down, I understand. that was where he messed up. <laughs> and then, one of the best parts, Savage goes for the belt shot, but Brutus Beefcake wanders. What are you doing, man? Promptly gets his ass kicked. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Ooh. Brutus Beefcake! Good, he sucks. <laughs> He's horrible. Like, uh, literally, it's like he smelled the poo coming out of Hogan's butt and he had to go sniff it from the next room over. Like, I'm not kidding. I know, and it gets worse throughout 89. Yeah. Like, the whole ass sniffing aspect yeah. of Beefcake. This is where it starts. Oh, God. From it's here, so frustrating. From here until forever. Yeah. Uh, and that'll always make me laugh. And finally, Nick Bockwinkle and Pat Patterson with his valet coat, they come in to try to ward off Savage. Gotta feel bad for Beefcake, though, because he can't do shit, but the two retired old wrestlers are actually able to keep (laughs) Savage at bay. Uh, Before we fade away, Savage tosses Patterson as well. We cut to a promo with Hulk Hogan. I guess we're not getting mad. I'm not sure, Quinn. There's no matches so far. Where are the matches? I don't know. How far are we into this show? I don't know. Uh, 35 minutes, probably. Do we at least get... Well, sometimes, you know, they usually can squeeze in a 30-second match, like... Good they, point. They're good at doing that on this show, Joe. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he, Hogan says he can't take another week of the shit. His stomach's been twisting when he tries to talk about this, but he is very thankful for the little Hulksters. <sighs> this is the beginning of Dickie Hogan. It is. No, you're right. Uh, something also about surging up his body and pumping life into his deltoids or something. Delts that why? made me curious. What? Why is he talking about why that? Why is he talking about delt steroids? <sighs> you mean steroids? Yeah, basically. Okay. And as it surges up, as it creeps up my body, man, and as it pumps the life the blood veins through my arms all the way up through the delts all the way up to my neck through my brain uh hogan cannot help but wonder what the hell is going on through savage's mind here because he's cast aside liz and everyone that was dedicated to him overall whether you agree with the content or not great promo like great emotional promo, yeah. fiery hogan promo but i will recommend that hogan go check the tapes since like SummerSlam. And like his actions and why this led Savage to go fucking crazy. Well, he's already just, like borderline insane as it yeah, is, I'm right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. Look at the tapes. 
Look at the tape. Speaking of the man, we now have a close-up of a very sweaty and very intense Randy Savage. With no sunglasses, by the way. Yes, and he looks insane this is because a good, of it. I think it was very good that they didn't put them up well, like, you could for, see just the, for this time. You could see the emotion in his right, eyes, exactly. right? So this is a great promo, too. He says Hogan's right. He has no idea what I'm thinking or uh, where I'm coming from. And Savage says it is mind-boggling to Hogan that he can make it all to the top by himself. Technically, Hogan helped him win, but let's forget about that. Let's check the tape of WrestleMania right, 4, yeah. see who helped who win there. Anyway, Savage doesn't want the pukesters anymore, or Elizabeth. Good. <laughs> the pukesters. Yeah. What is he? Is it Sergeant Slaughter? I guess yeah, stole that yeah, shit. I was they, thinking the same thing. That was literally when that happened. I was like, wait, so Sergeant Slaughter didn't say that? Yeah, another person I don't need is Elizabeth either, yeah. Because I'm the champion by myself. All by myself. So Savage says he's going to beat Hulk Hogan with the big elbow and pin him. Don't even get me started on this crap, Joe. Again, I won't. Stay tuned for the WrestleMania 5. I will. Ugh. You're getting on Finkel for shilling the paper. Oh my God. But anyway, Savage says, Hulkamania is dead. Yeah, what was that? The Undertaker yeah. throat cutting die. Anyway, Weird. great promo. More Howard Finkel. Watch the crap in a movie theater, whatever. Go now. <laughs> now. Now we go to Mean Gene with the WrestleMania 5 report. This whole episode's been a report. What are you talking about? What else is there to report on it? Does it give me a storyline? I don't want a report. Give me a match. I don't care what it is anymore. Hell, it could be Dino Bravo. This Versus is like Brady Boone. Only time. I will, I will tolerate wow. it just to say that there was something on the go. I mean, all those fans are waiting in the empty know, shit right sad. now. What well, are they going to do? Well, Quinn, I'll tell you one thing. Hacksaw Jim Duggan's going to be taking on Bad News Brown. Uh, we get a promo from Bad News who says, Hacksaw Jim Dummy, and that made me laugh in real life. I'm not going to lie. This Sunday afternoon, Hacksaw Jim Dummy. He also has street power <laughs> or something to fuck up. He says this. It's I, real. He's confused. And then Duggan yells back, Hey, News, who do you think you're talking to? Some punk kid down at the convenience store. <laughs> so, Got any like, cigarettes? Yeah, it's like the lame Duggan. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I'm going to kick your butt or whatever. Sound like, like Fred Mertz. Yeah. <laughs> Gene very unconvincingly says, what a singles match that should be. Like, and then just moves on. Yeah. Like, it's like, who cares? Basically, like, who gives a shit? All right, what a singles matchup that should be. We're also going to see the Rockers taking on the Twin Towers. Uh, we get a promo with the Towers and Slick. And Akeem's like, you will feel the agony of the Twin Towers. No, you will feel the agony of the Twin Towers. Rockers cut a really <laughs> doofus promo. Mar- They're very doof oh. at this point in time. Marty's like, we're the masters of motion, baby. <sighs> They're such dorks. It's like upsetting. <laughs> It really is. They're like, really blame. Yeah, it's like it, I feel like they get a little more fire by like ninety one. But yeah. here at the very beginning, like when they're first come in, they're Doofy. like they're just like who are these guys? Like, grease lighting. Yeah, grease lighting. <laughs> so it was so dumb. Strike Force is also going to reunite to take on the Brain Busters. We get a promo from the Busters without Bobby and without shirts. Uh, basically, they're better, and Strike Force aren't good anymore. And then we get Strike Force. So, yeah, we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> what a promo. What a team. Yeah, we're ready. <laughs> Remember that. What a team. What a team. Gene reminds us that Run DMC will be on hand, and they're one of uh, his favorites. Yeah, I totally <laughs> yeah, believe uh, that. Uh, imagine Gene with like it's tricky. Run DMC <laughs> on vinyl, and it's just like you know next to all his jazz records oh, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's tricky. Yeah. Oh. oh, oh, it's tricky. <laughs> oh, we gotta turn the turn the record over. <laughs> We get a promo from Run DMC, which is kind of cool. They're going to be there, Quinn, to watch Hogan face Savage. Run literally says, 
we want to watch the mega powers explode. Believe that. Like, like <laughs> real fucking John Cena or something right there. Uh, also, Rockin' Robin will be there to sing America the Beautiful, Gene says. Please don't encourage it, Gene. Just... <laughs> Again, wait till wait till the review. But yeah, go now. Go to yeah. the, go to the movie theater. Yeah. And listen to it there. <laughs> anyway, Roddy Piper will be returning to talk to Brother Love and Morton Downey Jr. Gene now reads a telegram <laughs> telegram from Piper, where Piper said his guests are going to take what he gives. What cigarettes? I don't know what he's like, talking about. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know, I do. I, I have to say something here that just occurred to me. Yes. It's clever of them because they don't want to blow the the surprise of like the first time you'll see Piper's WrestleMania five that he sends a telegram. You don't get to see him at all. Yeah, that's a I good think point. That's clever. That is clever. You're yeah. right. Good point. Uh, we now get a promo. This was surprising too from Morton Downey Jr. Dude, what the? I, I, this was insane to me because like doesn't he have like a TV show and shit? Yeah. Like he doesn't need to like do this. No, but he's doing it. He's in front of his own green screen logo, which is the logo from his show. He says that Piper will be giving apologies, but he's not going to accept them. And he ends with. Kiss my butt. Yeah. What you're going to be giving, baby, is apologies. Apologies. And I ain't going to accept them. Kiss my butt. You know what he wants to say, but it's, yeah. it's WF, so you it's can't WF. say that shit. Yeah. Cut to Brother Love now, who's like, chaos. Well, the <laughs> only thing that Brother Love will be kissing will be the petals on the roses. Chaos. Chaos, well, the only thing that Brother Love will be kissing will be the petals on the roses that Brother Love will bring with him to Piper's Pit. Why are there promos for a promo? Like, you know what I'm saying here? Like, we know what this segment is. It's just talking. Like, why are there promos for it? It's pre-talking of the talking. Gene reminds us to set our clocks for daylight savings time before signing off. And also give us money. Like, basically. (laughs) Back to Vince now, recapping the whole Survivor Series 88 demolition powers of pain Fuji fiasco. I guess this is like the end, really, for having matches here. Uh, That's pretty much it. You guys probably know the deal by now. The best part of the whole thing is the conquistadors, Mac Rivera and Jose Estrada, make it to the end. It's so great. <laughs> They're it's so, so good. good. I, I was so thankful for this at that Survivor Series. Like it was honestly, it was like one of the biggest surprises of that pay per view. There's that one shot of one of them. I forget if it's Mac. I think it's Mac. It's like in the background, jumping up and down. Yeah, they like, like can't believe they made it. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's so great. It it's is. like it's literally like the 1982 like alums like like celebrate. Like we did it. We like, made it. To the- we made it to the last fucking thing. We're gonna lose, but. We made it. We made it. Yeah. Uh, Fuji will now be involved in this match at WrestleMania 5. It'll be three on two for the tag titles. And we see clips now of February 3rd, 89, where the powers are beating the shit out of Demolition with a top rope heart attack. Axe makes a save, tosses Warlord, so Fuji hops on the apron, but Axe punches him and steals the cane, mm-hmm. then beats the powers with it. Fuji then sneaks up from behind with the ceremonial assault <laughs> that I guess he always carries, yeah, right? according to Lord Shin. Yes. Uh, <sighs> this, Joe, I love this. Everything that's said in this is... The most amazing thing ever. Axe is down. His eyes are closed. He can't open them. <laughs> and Axe is down. His eyes are closed. He can't open them. And also, just on top of it, on top of saying the two things, the ceremonial salty <laughs> always carries. Carries, yeah. Yeah, They say the two things. The clip fucking just cuts right <laughs> yeah. off there. It's like as if they knew that that's all I wanted to hear was just those two lines because why is that shit those burned in it burned into my fucking brain like right. i will never forget as long as i live axe's eyes are closed he can't open yep. them like and, and so, open the ceremonial salt mr fuji always carries yep. like it's insane yep good stuff uh we get a demolition pro- 
promo here where they say that Donald Trump did them a favor by importing a Japanese <sighs> slot machine. I don't even know what the analogy is supposed to be. I don't want to know. Let's not yeah. talk about it. Uh, Smash says Fuge the Stooge, which is pretty much a requirement for this feud. Well, wait till WrestleMania 5. They say it a lot more yes. than that. Teeth will be knocked out, which is normal. And Axe ends with, you're all dead. Very nice. <laughs> what? What the, you're all dead? You're all going to die. That's Axe's <laughs> warning. Why didn't they reshoot that? Isn't that a little morbid for them back then? I don't know. Like, here's the thing. You're all dead? It, like, at WrestleMania 6, they talk about, like, literally, like, cutting Andre with a saw, so... Like, it was watching him fall off a cliff. Yeah, and, and, and exploding. Like, putting Andre in the back of a truck with explosives and sending it off a cliff and watching it, like, explode as That's it falls true. down. Plus, Hogan was going to pin his opponents at the bottom of the ocean. Right, that would have been murder, too. Yeah, that's so. true. Uh, promo now with Fuji and the powers. Barbarian says, I, I have no idea what Barbarian yeah. said. Literally, I don't know what he said. Warlord is all doofy as usual. We are going to win the belts. <laughs> he sounds like an accountant named Leon or something. Like, I'm going to repair your taxes. <laughs> I'm going to repair your tires. Like, you know. Make sure you diversify your portfolio. We're going to win the tag titles. That's You're going to like voice. the way you bank. I guarantee it. <laughs> He really does sound like no, that. No, he does. Uh, Fuji, of course, guarantees that there will be suffering. Back to the Fink, who really fucking wants you to watch WrestleMania 5. Like, you but better. Give us, like, sixty nine ninety nine or whatever it is. Do it now. Yeah. <laughs> St. Mary's Cable, whatever yeah. the fuck. We finally get to see Vince and Jesse again. Back to the fake casino. Yep. The fans are clamoring in the, in the empty... <laughs> Trump Plaza Arena or whatever. That's right. Like, where where's the Barry Horowitz matches? Like where, where, where's Brady Boone? Yeah. Where's Bob Bob Bradley? Where's the Brooklyn Brawler? Yeah. Where's the Brawler? Yeah. Jesse of course predicts that Savage is going to win because he's fighting for Elizabeth's honor, and Vince is like, no, he's not. Which is true. Yeah. He's not. He isn't. <laughs> no. Uh, Jesse of course also predicts Rick Rude to beat the Warrior in a major upset. Well. Well. Just wait till the show. One more day. Uh, He will not predict the tag title match, though, because Fuji's involved. A.K.A. he doesn't want to predict the faces will win. (laughs) That's what it is, because he knows Fuji stinks. Well, yeah. He says it at the show, doesn't he? Well, okay. Can we... You need to stop doubting Fuji. I always say this. What? what? Just listen. And more Patreon plugs, but on the Patreon 83. You're getting as bad as Finkel. Fuji is devious. He's got a samurai sword. You got to watch out for him. Yeah, okay. He never loses. And he has that ceremonial assault that he always carries. Yes, yes it's always. true. Uh, so anyway, Jesse says, uh, if stud referees fairly, Andre will beat Jake. I don't really disagree with yeah, that. I that's don't either. Kind of the point. Or if there isn't a snake allowed. <laughs> yeah. And that's it as we uh, as we sign off. We're, we're done here. Yeah, as we pan out of Dump Plaza. So, uh, little real talk, folks. I had no idea, and I mean this, I did not know going into this that this whole show was WrestleMania Five, the infomercial. I swear, I'm sorry. We we thought we were getting a go-home show with yeah, matches. It was just a recap show, which was kind of sad. Yeah, I like superstars. Like, no original matches. You know what's weird, though? It still was fun. It was fun. I think it's all because the storylines were just, like, really good. Easy to follow. Point. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's kind of like it works, just presenting, laying it all out. Yeah. You know, but, uh, it's but, like watching months of WF in like 45 minutes. Yeah, essentially. And folks, you know, we, we're mentioning the Patreon and stuff. This, in all seriousness, was not designed just to get you to try to sign up for Patreon. We wanted to do a Superstars from right before WrestleMania. I don't know. You should ask Fink. <laughs> <laughs> but we, for real, though, we wanted to do a Superstars from before WrestleMania because that's a period of time that we've been watching. That's right. all. We, we were familiar with it. We wanted to share it with you. Little did we know. We should have picked the week before. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And it would have been a regular episode. But uh, with that said, if you want to watch or listen to our WrestleMania 5 review, it's coming out 
maybe tomorrow, but if not, any day now, a $5 tier, it'll get all the pay-per-view reviews, and again, if not, it's fine, we understand. But yeah, uh, as far as a recap show, this was actually an entertaining one. Yeah. It was okay. I gotta say, after, like, just reviewing WrestleMania 5 and now watching this, I feel like I've watched WrestleMania 5 twice. Yeah, no, Like, I'm not kidding. It's a lot of detail. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to head out of 1989 other than our pay-per-view reviews. Yeah, no, we're... Next week, we should probably come back with something that, uh, is a little more earthy, a little more homegrown, a little more middle America. You know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. something mm. a little more wrestling, yeah. wrestling, wrestling, Jim. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll have to see what that is. But folks, until we see, thank you as always for being with us here on our vantage point. This has been episode number 165. As always, reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. Join the group if you have a Facebook. And again, if you want to donate, especially if you want to get your hands on the pay-per-view reviews, go to patreon.com slash ovppodcast. And also leave us a review on iTunes if you have it. Thank you very much for being with us again. We will see you next week. I'm Joe Morata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. This Sunday afternoon, Domination, first time in professional wrestling history, three against two for World Tag Team Down. And my powder pain are ready for you. And they will listen only to the master. That's right, master. WrestleMania 5 just around the corner. You are in jail because you have to defend what we want. And we will take it. That's where it belongs for a long, long time. We have made Master Fuji a promise. <laughs> we are going to take those tag team belts. Oh, very good. And then we're going to beat you demolition all in one day. <laughs> and you're going to make them suffer. You're all good.